Welcome to episode 483 of Conversation Street. I'm Michael. I'm Gemma. And this week we're going to be talking about the episodes occurring between the, th- the 9th and the 13th of August, which oh. is episodes 10,398 to episodes 10,403. Sorry we're late, everybody. We've been in London. That's our excuse, isn't it? Yeah, it's very <laughs> complicated. We've been we had, we had a little mini holiday this week, didn't we? My sister um, messaged me about a week and a half or so ago asking whether we wanted to catsit her apartment while she and her boyfriend went up to Lancaster for a week. So we said, yes, please, we like cats and we like London. And so we just went there and had a lovely time. Yeah, we did. What was your favourite bit about being in London, Gemma? Um, we went to go see the Windsors. That was fun. Oh, yeah, we went, the, we went to the theatre, didn't we? To go we to did. the Windsors Endgame. That was quite cool. The Has anybody here seen the Windsors? It's a, it was a Channel 4, wasn't it, that did it? Like a sitcom about, so much. <laughs> about the Royal Family. It's like one of my favourite shows. Yeah, and um, yeah, this is like the... There's like three series of the TV show, and then this was the... You know, just the stage version of it. It was very, very good. It had Harry that. Enfield in it. It did, yeah, it was and, good. No oh. Corrie celebrities. There was somebody... I forgot her name. used to be on EastEnders. She was also Auntie Val in Friday Night Dinner, and she's absolutely fabulous. Yes. She's Baker Miller, and she was so good. She wasn't in Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, what did I say? <laughs> no, she said she was Absolutely Fabulous, and I'm just making sure that we know that she wasn't in Absolutely Fabulous, although she may well have been. I don't but, think yeah. you need to make... Um, that point. Okay, well, yeah, we, we enjoyed that, and um, we, we, we went to see the Marble Arch Mound, which is um, in the news Ann at the Overman. moment. That's right, which is in the news for it being a bit rubbish at the moment. That is the Marble Arch Mound, not Tracy Arch and Overman. No, she's great. The, the Marble Arch Mound was hilarious and pointless, um, but I'm glad we went because of all the things we did, that's probably the one that people are most interested to hear about because <laughs> it's got such a bad reputation. For people who maybe don't know about the Marble Arch Mound, mm-hmm. there's this giant um, artificial hill yeah. that's been put in the middle of London. It's yeah. like a load of scaffolding with grass over the top of it. And it's real grass, but nothing much is growing on it and a couple of spindly trees. Yeah, um, and you climb up some steps and you get a very mediocre view of the tops of trees in the side of the marble arch. Yeah, it's very, very pants, but the tickets were free. Yeah. So can't complain too much. It's a piece of history. Yeah, it's not going to be there forever. It's a testament to mankind's <laughs> arrogance. <laughs> well, one of my favourite things in the week, maybe my favourite thing of all, is going to see George, my friend George, oh, yeah. George Banks. George. He used to be in Coronation Street playing Henry Newton. When yes. was that, like three years ago or so he was in it? Oh, too so, long. So um, I, I drove up and we went and we had a little wander around the park and everything. And then we had to catch up because he, I think it was like two years ago that we met up last when, when he was in his um, Pride and Prejudice um, and and yeah. uh, obviously we've been talking lots of the, through text and everything since then. But yeah, this is the first time that we've met up since then. And it was lots of lovely fun. Yay! I did get a little bit worried that maybe I got caught by speed cameras when uh, driving out. Um, but nothing's come through the post yet. I don't week. know how long this takes. Okay, so I'm going to be bated breath about this one. But yeah, it was really, really lovely um, seeing George. And so I posted a picture of that on social media for everybody to see he was also a fan of Henry Newton and that wasn't the only Coronation Street encounter I had this week as well because I also had the pleasure of chatting with Shirley Houston for our bonus podcast this week which came out on Wednesday I'm gonna say um which is lovely she um she spoke to me for 20 minutes or so about um everything that's going on with her filming at home being Izzy 
and um, yeah, the tough times that 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 she's going through in his ear as well. And that that's also a video on YouTube. Yes, we did do a video um, version of the podcast, which did mess up a little bit. There was part of it where my my camera just decided to stop working, so I had to then refilm bits of it afterwards. It looks a bit bit ropey, but it's up there on YouTube. If you want to see and it, you thank see you very much, Shirley, for joining. For oh yeah, thank you podcast. very much, Shirley. Yes, and you can see the inside of Michael's sisters. Yes, if you wonder, if you watched that and wondered why there was a different background to normal, that's why it's because it was my sister's flat. So that was good. What else we got to talk about? Competition, Gemma. <gasps> the deadline is fast oh, approaching. Watch out. This time next week, get your we'll have in. a winner. Um, you need to get us your answers by noon British summer time, Friday, the twentieth of August, and you must tell us. What is the name of our cat? The competition is to win a year's worth of top tier Patreon goodness, including a T-shirt and access to all of the episodes we've already done, plus 12 more. I think, I think they should get a bonus prize if they can tell us the name of my sister's cat, who we were cat sitting last oh. week. I don't think that we've made it public anywhere. Why but if would, anyone wants to guess... Know? How would you know? Oh I yeah, know. tell us. Just guess. I don't know. Maybe you get an extra bonus. <laughs> you can guess Goodness me. Sister's cat's called. Um, but tell you one got? thing. Nobody's, nobody's written in to say what the cat's name actually is. Oh, Everyone's yeah, well, told us the nickname of our cat. When we got our cat, she was called something else. At oh the yeah. Shelter, wasn't there's, she? Another, there's another name oh, that our cat owns. I'm talking about the full name of our cat. I don't think... Has she got a full name? You know she does. Well, I suppose. I suppose it is short for something. Yeah, but no. When when we went to the um the pet shelter to get her, she was called Pebbles. Yes, she was. I don't know. She's not. Mentioned on the podcast before. What else we got to talk about? Oh, I wanted to say congratulations to Listener Morgan, who's got his A level results this oh. week. And then there might be other listeners who got their A level results at GCSEs as well. I don't know about that, but Morgan has been a listener for a very long time since, since he, was he was like a baby. Since he was like thirteen or fourteen, I think he started to listen to the podcast. <laughs> and it's been kind of funny. It's all to... grown up. Yeah, I know. Now he's eighteen. He's going to go off to university and everything. Instead of starting so... a podcast, we should have had a baby, and then we could be in another knit nine years time looking forward to our podcasts a level results oh, we yeah. could be called the baby podcast <laughs> and then you could say i'm starting a podcast and everyone would be like what that's a baby <laughs> see what a funny joke that would be <laughs> you, but you'd have to live with it we did uh, we did get to find out in coronation street this week that simon also had his a level results um i can't remember what leanne said that he had now like no one no one cares. A couple of good results or something. But there must have I would have thought there'd been more. I thought that like um the Asher and that lot were, were getting results of some kind this week. But I wouldn't worry busy, about it. Too busy with gardens. I know I'm always quite find it quite interesting to find out what curry characters get on their on their exams. But oh well, maybe not this year. Um I also want to say thank you very much to John who sent me a load of um inside oh, soap yeah. magazines from That was nice to come home to. From about twenty years ago. Yeah, we yeah. had um we had a bundle, a big package um, they're waiting for us. So, because he, he um, I think he said he found them in the attic or in a relative's attic or something. And he's been posting pictures of them on our Facebook group, yeah. hasn't he? But he sent me a few to have a peruse very through. Nice. So thank, thank you very, very much. much. And 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 thank you very much to listener Faye, who sent me some of her old Coronation Street books that she no longer um, desires. What? There's there's the street where I live, which is like a um, I think it's like memoirs. Would you call it of, of Harry Kershaw, who was an yeah, old yeah, very um, cool executive producer and producer and script editor and things like that this is from 1981 this book so this book's older than me um so that'd be quite cool to have a look through at some point and also um darren little's coronation street story as well which is always good to have but yeah i've got i've got so many 
Corrie books that we've got over the past, I don't know, year or so that I've not been able to read. It's really bad. I started reading um, one of the Bill Podmore books. Um, that was about three or four months ago and I got halfway through and then didn't finish. I'm just not a very big reader. I do do lots of Coronation Street reading, but it's mostly for, you know, researching for the character profiles or whatever we're doing for the podcast. But I, I will get around to reading some of these books that we've bought and gifted at some point. But yes, thank you very, very much, John and Faye. You are awesome. Yes, thank you very much. Tar very much. And I think that's about it of of, of pre-quiz, this is what we've been doings and thank yous and and introductions and everything. Right, so shall I do the thing? Gemma has got a different quiz this week. Yep. Because we've just had a funny day. I'm just really tired. It's currently 20 to 5 on Saturday afternoon. But like I I woke up early and I was doing stuff for next week's podcast. Um, and, And you were having a lie in. And then I kind of went over went and got you a cup of tea and then getting into bed as well and then falling asleep again for another two hours yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've barely even spoken to each other today um, <laughs> I've and, got nothing to say to and, you and like before I, ha- I fell off to sleep you were like oh I'm too tired to do a quiz let's do something else instead yep. and so we're still sticking with that even though you have plenty of time to do a quiz oh, but it's okay me. because you're still on your holiday technically until yes I week. bloody well am <laughs> so what have we got this week Gemma as a quiz replacement i have got trivia questions from the coronation street game by waddington's cool. from 1995 this is a we, we talked about getting this game on the podcast before didn't we i can't remember whether, they actually, whether we actually described playing it <laughs> but this is something that we it's um that we got on ebay it? a few weeks ago and um there's like a, a the board is like a cartoon version of the street and you have to pick one of that 30 characters that you can be you don't get to pick. It's randomly assigned. How, how did you do it? I can't remember. Do you, oh, yeah. So there's, there's little cards that you, you oh, put yeah, you face down, don't you? And you pick one. And then I was there? Andy McDonald and yeah. you were Denise or something. Yeah, I was Denise. Why would, why would you pick? I don't understand. Why can't you pick your favourite character? It doesn't you make probably, sense. I think if you were to play it again, then we would. Whether we will play it again, I don't know. I doubt but it. But the, the idea is to kind of roll your dice and go around the street and you have to pick. Uh, when, when you get to a business like the cabin or... Um, the hair salon or the rovers you have to pick a card and then you could either be a good card like a full pint glass or a bad card like an empty pint glass and you want to you want to get the good ones and there's also and yeah and if oh, you the, get if you if you when you turn a card over if it's if it's a good card then you get to challenge yourself with a trivia question and if you get the question right then you get to keep the item and you yes, have to collect right, an item from all of the areas on the street like the cabin and the rovers yeah. and yeah. Whatever. So there's a big old wadge of trivia <sighs> cards that come with the game, aren't there? And so that that's where you've picked. Do you know how many you're going to read out to me today? I don't know. I'll do. Out of the thousands do... that are available in the game. Well, we'll see what because I normally give you like ten questions or so. Let's, let's just do ten, shall we? Okay, right. So this is not anything to do with the ninth to the thirteenth of August no, in years ending a a six and a one. This is just random pre nineteen ninety five Corrie trivia just the, to kick the things off. The first week. question is excellent for podcast because it says impersonate or mime what I'm gonna mime it your favourite Coronation Street character how is this I'm too tired for this go on do an impersonation of your favourite who's your favourite Coronation Street character even I think when we talked about it last year I said it was Hilda then go on then do an impression of Hilda wish me luck as you wave me goodbye oh very good I'll give you a point for that woman Stanley (laughs) woman (laughs) that's what I thought you were gonna say oh right okay Here's a multiple choice question. Okay. What does hey up mean? 
Hey up. <laughs> yes, hey up. Is that what horses get told when they, ha- they have their dinner served? Hey up. <laughs> no, it's with an E. Um, a, hello. B, tea's ready. And what does tea mean? We'll get to that later. C, look who's here. Well, it means hello. No, it means look who's here. What? Does it? That's what it says. A here. up means look who's here. <laughs> I would have said look who's here means hello. Yeah, it's all the same, really, isn't it? <laughs> so when we have our A up award and the Conversation Street Podcast We're Awards every Christmas, we're doing the look stupid. who's here award. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, fine, whatever. I will... I will um, you get a zero. Yeah, I have a zero for that. Okay. Um, what regiment was Jim McDonald in? A, the Manchester Fusiliers. B, the Coldstream Guards. Or C, the Royal Engineers. Oh, I thought I think he was in the Manchester Fusiliers. No. No? Nope, he was in the Royal Engineers. Uh, who said, when I'm gone, they'll probably take the Rover's facade brick by brick to a museum. I don't like these questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know it's got to be somebody related yes, to Yes, either Bet or Annie, I suppose. Okay. Maybe. Um, and which one of those two? I don't know. Annie Walker. Yes, I don't think facade is a word that... Um, the bet would have used. No. Oh, yeah. Okay, bonus question. Who played Ina Sharples? Why is this a bonus question? Because it's on... It says bonus question. Okay, Violet Carson. Yes. Oh, yeah, this was part of the game as well, wasn't it? If you asked for the bonus question on the card, which is supposedly the extra hard question, though it's easiest out of all of these, yeah. then you get to get something else, I don't remember. I always found it easier to answer the bonus questions. Number one, this is the new. This is a new card. Okay, so that's all the questions on one card. This is a new card. Okay. Number one, where did Jack Duckworth start work as a Salomon in nineteen eighty five? The Rovers return in <laughs> Coronation Street. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's two. right as well because the first question is also supposed to be pretty easy on each card, isn't it? This is a weird question. Number okay. two, what does badly mean? One, ill. B, slow. C, poor. What does badly mean? Yeah, what does badly mean? Ill, slow or poor? Yeah. He's doing badly. Ill. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it only makes sense in a sentence because it does, badly doesn't mean ill. Mm. But if you say it like that, it does. Ooh, if you say he's doing slow. badly. Three, who lost his taxi in a poker game? <laughs> oh, no, who was that? Who was it? Who was it? Don it, Brennan. Yes. There's not many people got a taxi to start with no. on the show. Four. What did Vera buy Jack for £100? A. A car. B. A greyhound. Or C. A window cleaning round. A window cleaning round. Yeah. It was Stan Ogden's window cleaning round. There you go. Bonus marks. Bonus question. Mm-hmm. Who was the father of Andrea Clayton's baby? Terry Duckworth. Correct. Was that not multiple choice? No. Is that it? It's is a that bonus my question. It's never multiple choice. Eight out of ten. Well done. Not bad. Not bad. Eight out of ten. Anyway, it's quite. It's, it's quite a fun game. You can get there. There seems to be always um, versions of it or, or copies of it available on eBay. So if yeah. if our review of it has um, tickled, tickled your, your fancy. fancy, you need to um, play it with somebody who's got similar. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, it says it's between you. like two and six players or something, doesn't it? And we we played it together, and we were we. I think it did we do two rounds and I won one and you won one or something. I can't remember. Shut up. Um, it's quite fun. It is quite fun. Time to make another one though, Corrie, because that 19, has been. It's difficult because some of the questions are like years. time dependent, where you're like, 
It's like, who is the current blah, blah, blah? It's like, um... <laughs> who plays Nick Tilsley? Yeah, good question. <laughs> right, birthdays. Oh, Fif- yes. 15th of August, producer and executive producer, Bill Podmore. Is it nobody's birthday today? No, it's nobody's 14th. birthday. Oh. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> 16th of August, director Alan Waring. 18th of August, director Hugh Monroe and Jeremy Summers. Hugh H- Monroe sounds like human <laughs> eggs. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I don't want that on any sushi, thank you very much. 20th of August, Shirley Hewson, who plays Izzy Armstrong. Oh, I spoke to her last week. You did. When was that, 20th of August? Nobody for the 19th of August. No! Are you sure? I know that it is. Conversation Street Podcast, ninth birthday on the 19th of August. Yes, it is. It's coming up to our ninth birthday next week, Gemma. That's pretty amazing. Um, and luckily we've got a great thing planned spoiler alert we don't have anything mega or amazing no, planned for the ninth anniversary often, and it's like, deliberately done we've done it on purpose um, I did I have tried because but, we've got a 500th oh yeah to try and big that up and we're definitely going to do something really big for that <laughs> the 500th episode if, if things you know carry on as they are is going to be like November or December I can't remember also have no plans for that but it feels like we probably should make a bit more of an effort to do something cool for that than we did for this which is just like oh I don't really everything's know everything's so tiring <laughs> I did I did message mm. um, one member of the Coronation Street cast an ex-member of the Coronation Street cast who recently followed us on Twitter asking whether she would like to join us but um, she has not even seen my message let alone been able to respond to it celebrities so. don't check their messages oh it was Amanda Barry I don't care um, celebrities don't check their messages because they're too important and also it's probably full of strangers and weirdos and perverts that's like the you. thing with, with, with Twitter direct messages you've got to like click on the, the thing to accept it if this is the first time you've yeah. seen somebody saying so message request I'm not saying Amanda Barry is completely blanking me she just hasn't seen the message I'm sure but no we don't have a special guest next week just just thee and me um Right, but I don't like, you know what I'm going to do with the bonus podcast. You'll have to wait and see it. It'll be out on Thursday. Just don't get your hopes up too much. Yeah, good, fine. That's the end of this That is the end of this pre-street talk we'll do preamble. street talk bit Let's now. talk about street talk. Okay, so street talk this week we have got five... <coughs> excuse me, I wasn't ready for that. Five stories to talk about, including show, don't tell, which is the story of show nah. being told not to tell about what happened about when she had a little bit of a road traffic incident on Monday off screen. People, lots of the viewers were saying, Coronation Street, why didn't you show instead of just telling us about the traffic incident? But I'm sure that this will um, form part of our discussion later on this one. Here's basically what's been going on with Todd. Well, but the reason basically. why... No, let's talk about it later. Let's talk about it later. We've got the Burn Baby Burn story. Um, we've got a Reef for Franklin story. Um, still haven't seen any wreaths, but still keeping on going with that title. Um, all, oh, these titles are awful this week. I've just kept on the, the old terrible ones. On Daisy's Chain was there. Now it seems like Daniel has been hooked onto Daisy Chain. And there is a bistro buyout coming, Gemma. So we will talk about that one last. Um, I, will, I will cover the show don't tell story, if that's okay with you. Mm. Are you sure? Yep. I didn't want you to interrupt you. That's right, well, I'm going to start talking. So, Monday's episode starts, and, and I do like it when Coronation Street start, like, in the middle of the night. They they very, very occasionally have everything dark, don't they, at the beginning of episodes. And this was one of these. It was, like, a quarter past five. And I can't remember whether the sun's supposed to have um, risen at quarter past five anyway, but it doesn't matter. It was dark. David's watching TV in his jammies for some reason. 
And Shona comes back home. She's just been out moving the car, she says, because there was that all, all that hoo-ha last week with all the parking problems with all the traffic that had suddenly um, migrated from Inkerman Street. Shona saw that there was a space that she could move the car into. So she went out there, moved the car and hit something or someone as she went round the corner. So she's a little bit worried about this. Um, they go out and have a bit of a search outside, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence that any uh, collision has taken place, like no no splattered hedgehogs or piss people lying there in pools of their own blood or anything. So David says, probably fine. It's probably just an animal or something and it's sloped off. No worries. So they go off to bed. Um, later on, we, we're in the morning now and Abby has seen the dent. Um, and David says, oh, yeah, it was me. I was I was driving around and I hit a bin full of rubble. Um, <laughs> she doesn't seem to believe him on that one. To be I'm... fair, didn't he almost drive into a skip? Um, he he, he um, launched up a skip which had a ramp next to it a few years ago. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, he's got a form. Mm. I don't think you're supposed to throw away rubble in your normal bins you anyway. You get told off, get I'm fairly sure. You get council if you do that, yeah. Yeah. So um, Eileen, um, later on, Find, uh, tells Billy that it is Todd who's been in a hit and run at the hospital. It took us a while, a while before we got into the episode before it was revealed who the um, well, who the before, victim. Before we even really knew whether they had indeed hit anybody. Yes, but it's Todd. Oh no, he was he was out. Um, I can't remember what was the excuse he gave. He was he got, uh, had a headache or he had to go and clear his head or something. Some reason he was out he, walking was around at quarter past five in the morning. Is there an implication that he was up to something? I don't think so. There might have been. He always is. But this time it was just, no, he was just walking out at quarter past five in the morning, as you do. Um, and, th- and I think they're all saying, oh, it was dark, it was dark, so I couldn't see anything. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, um, David tells Shona that Abby's going to be able to fix this dent because he's had a bit of a word with her and she's a mechanic and all that. It's going to be OK. Um, and then Sarah comes in and says, oh, I've just heard that it's been Todd who's been in an accident. And David's like, hmm, Shona, are you sure it was an accident? Your mortal enemy as of last week because he drove a hearse onto the park, onto the curb outside our house. Um, and Shona's like, no, I definitely didn't mean to do it. Um, maybe we should go and tell the police. And then David says, no, you can't do that. You shouldn't have even been driving. Is this supposed to be because, because of her shot in a box thing? That I she's think not allowed to drive a car? She's got a brain injury. Poor... Uh, judgment when driving and, uh, and uh, among other times. Oh well, so, yeah, I mean, if if your if your response to oh dear, I've just hit something with my car is to drive home and tell your husband, oops, I may have killed a man or a hedgehog. Well, she perhaps did, that's bad judgment. She was pretty panicky when she came home, didn't she? I know because hedgehogs are cute. Although uh, I, I did quite enjoy her switch in personality at this point, or, or it was at some point that she's she's there worried, and then the doorbell goes, and she's like, "Oh, it's the doorbell. Maybe it's my gym equipment or yeah, something." That's like, right. <laughs> anyway, um, David says, "Look, you're going to get sent down if you if you go and confess to the police. You shouldn't have been driving. Let's dump the car somewhere. We we don't even know whether Todd saw you, so I think it's just best all round if we pretend it was stolen." Um, and Abby, yeah, this is when Abby comes round. She's put two and two together. Uh, she's heard about Todd being hit. She's seen the, the Todd-shaped bump. She's an expert in cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, what does, yeah, she, and, and also damaging cars herself, so she knows all... Just damaging she, everything. Didn't, didn't she... I'm sure that she attacked a car a few months ago with a hammer or something for some yeah, reason. Yeah, she did, and Nothing yeah. happened from it. Um, anyway, Shona admits to Abby that it was her imagine? driving, it not was somebody, David. Somebody that took the car into the garage and it'd get fixed, and then it got smashed with a hammer by Abby. Can you imagine if you, you took your car to the local garage and then when you came to pick it up, they were like... Oh, sorry, it's going to be a bit longer because we've got to replace your bonnet. It was one of our mechanics went mad and hit it with a hammer. She's bereaved. You've got to, you've got to let, her, you let her have this one. Abby says, right, I'm going to stay quiet about this, but if Todd doesn't pull through, I'm going to go straight to the police about it. So and, really and still at chance. this point, we ha- we didn't really have any idea about how Todd was doing, and that, but yet we're talking about, is he going to pull through? Is he going through? to die? <laughs> so as viewers, so we were left, our imaginations were left weird. to run wild. Yeah. at this point um, but we, we do get to see Todd at that point waking up we get a we get a, get a Todd vision don't we with a little bit of a blur and an eye opening and who's oh, there to classic. welcome him back into the world of the living but it's dear mummy Eileen who's basically just round there to make sure that he's not shuffled off his mortal coil and then says this doesn't change anything still hate you, still hate you. <laughs> I'm off goodbye bye son no she says that this doesn't change anything um so Shona sees Sarah Louise later, who tells her the news about Todd. And Shona is like, oh, don't go and see Todd straight away, Sarah, because she's still trying to figure out how they're going to get her, their story straight. Um, Officer Craigie comes round to number eight later on and wants... Uh, he's just, like, doing door-to-doors or something, isn't he? Like, at quarter past five this morning, <laughs> round the corner from your house, somebody was hit by a car. Did you happen to see anyone? I think this is what they would do. Would they? They came to our house when somebody got murdered. But this was like at a time when most people would be tucked up in bed asleep and it was round the corner. Oh, what? So, okay. So what you would prefer is the police to go, do you know what? I'm pretty sure that nobody saw anything. Let's just not investigate because... Maybe. I think think where the field police just send Craig off on these little jollies just to get him out of their hair. Like, oh, it's another crime on Coronation Street, Craig. You go and deal with this. I think that they've just, like, you know, put police tape around the whole of Coronation Street and said, we're not going to solve any crimes in there. Will that Officer Craig sort that one out? Because it's, it's, it's like a little police quarantine zone or something. And just go wild, Craig. Because lots of people I've seen on the internet are saying... Um, Craig shouldn't really be investigating crimes in his own street where he knows everybody. And I think that's true. I don't know any police officers myself, but um, people I, I've seen saying, no, he absolutely would not be allowed to do this. That's weird because back in the day, wasn't there like a Bobby on the beat and the local copper who knew everybody and that was the, that was the acceptable. And then um, because he knew everybody and what was going on. But I don't think he was friends with everybody. I don't think he was mortal enemies with them either. I don't know, but... Yeah, Craig probably shouldn't be doing it. He also, when he, when he arrests David later on in the week, spoiler alert, he's like, sorry, David, but I got to arrest you. When was the last time you saw a policeman apologise, grovel to you before you got arrested? Perhaps they should do that more often. I don't think Craig is a great policeman. I just wanted, I just wanted to say, if in, in case anyone was interested in the murder that I mentioned, it was the murder of Hannah Foster. Oh, yeah. So if you'd like to Google that case, we did actually get questioned by the police. We did. They came round to ask us if we'd seen anything and they were absolutely adamant they would catch the person immediately. I think they were trying to, like, psych us out. <laughs> um, so anyway, Craig's like, do you, you know anything about his accident? Shona is acting incredibly shifty, 
which somehow manages to go under the radar of Craig's expert, soon-to-be detective-level skills. Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to him training up to be a, oh, a CID? Oh, nothing. And obviously they said, look, okay, these people in, in this particular part of Weatherfield are shady as hell. And we can't get a read on him. We sent our best people. We sent Fringe McBangs. Oh, yeah? Are you happy to see her again yeah. this week? We sent the other one, also face. And they can't, they can't get anything out of them. We need a local. We need to infiltrate them. <laughs> we'll send Craig because he knows them. And then Craig goes around and Shane's going, um, uh, no, we didn't see anything. And he completely is like, fine. <laughs> She's acting completely normally. There's nothing weird about this situation at all. I will take this one off of my list. Off I go <laughs> to the next house. So, yes, me. Um, yes. Fringe <laughs> with bands, it was good. She, what, which story was she in? She was in the, the, the Dobbs story, wasn't she? Yeah. I had seen before we watched the episode, somebody had tweeted us saying that our favourite police um, officer is back and I was getting, my heart was a little bit of flutter for whether it was going to be D.S. McKinnon. But Abney, no, she's, 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 she's quite up there. She's, yeah, she's, she's good. Um, anyway, David says, we're both asleep when this accident happened. Sorry, we can't help you. So he goes off to go and see Todd at the hospital next to David and he takes the opportunity to apologise for the arguing over the car parking slots and everything last week and Todd says, well, I know the Shona that was driving, he just kind of drops that in there. He very gleefully rubs it in David's face that he knows exactly who it was that put him in here Um, and he goes off on a bit of a blackmailing spree. He says, oh, you'll know soon enough what I want, which uh, let people across the internet... um, wonder about what it could be that Todd actually wants. Um, so David goes home and tells Shona this, and um, so they're left at the end of Monday's episode wondering what exactly Todd's going to try and squeeze out of them. And it's it doesn't... not blackmail, it's a mutually it's beneficial extortion. arrangement. Wednesday, it doesn't take too long. Shona's not been able to sleep again. Um, she's, she still wants to hand herself into the police, and David says, no, remember, that's a bad idea. You don't want to, go, you don't want to get sent down to prison. No, no, no. Well, he would know. Oh, yeah, he would, he would. Well, she's she's um, no stranger to prison as well. She's usually be on the visiting end, the old <laughs> Clayton. Um, Todd comes to the door saying his ears must have been burning or something. He's let himself out of hospital and he's come to impose himself on um, David and Shona. Um, well, he's basically homeless at the moment. He's he's telling... Yeah, well, he, no, he said he was. He said he said that he was living with George because Eileen washed her hands of oh, him yeah. for the umpteenth time last week, and he said he's going to stay with George. But his excuse for not enjoying that this week was he's got terrapins. Um, yeah. As as an ex terrapin owner, yep. Gemma, would that have been enough to have stopped somebody from staying at your house? Do I'm they not smell? Lie. They Are do they noisy? Smell a bit funky, and if they're if they're having a, a you know a swim. They can clonk about a bit. I don't know, maybe he was sleeping in the front room. Because they do, they clonk about in their shells. Yeah. Gemma, when when I first got to know Gemma and I was went around <laughs> her house for the first time, where you had all your terrapins, you had like a lizard, didn't you? Got an iguana, um, a so leopard gecko, um, three terrapins. Did you get them during the, the 90s Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles phase when everybody got, got them? I don't think I got them because I wanted Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> they, my they, parents they're now living happily at a university or something somewhere aren't they yeah and we had xenopus frogs Did and you? African snails so Todd wouldn't have liked staying at your house and basically. we also had a skink as well called Floyd you had loads of pets and you had an evil rabbit yeah I had an evil dogs, rabbit dogs, cats yeah we used to also breed chihuahuas and we had an aviary with lovebirds and budgies 
And now we've just got and a cat quails. called... Uh, no, I'm not going to say. You thought gonna, you were going to get to know. So um, Todd's telling David his list of demands, um, which in, so starts off with, I want a bed to stay. And um, Todd's... I think David says, oh, we're not mates or anything. And Todd says, we are now. Shona's fallen over herself to, to help Todd out and, and agree to all his demands because she doesn't want to get sent down. No. Um, and he's got his feet right under the table later on. Craig comes round again, says, oh, David, we found your car. It's been dumped outside of a pub um, and there's a massive dent in it. Oh, so, and so they kind of say the story that it must have been stolen and joyridden or something. Into Todd. Maybe it hit something or someone. Um, they're worried that they're going to get caught. Todd says, I don't care how you explain it. Um, and I'd like a chippy, chippy tea for t- tonight, please. Oh, lovely. wonder what he wants. Um, Sarah goes looking for David later saying, have you seen Todd? Because I think they that by this point they don't realise that Todd has um, discharged himself from the hospital and David's acting all shady about it. But then Todd phones up Sarah and says, look at me, I'm round David's house, come and say hello. The, the question low. I have is, did they get their chippy tea? Yes, probably. Aye. Um, she is very suspicious as to why Todd is hanging around and lying lower at number eight at the moment. Um... And and then they have um they have a few a few nice little scenes together do Sarah and Todd on Wednesday's episode, um and I think it's something that they should do more of considering the, how they have got history and everything, um and then Craig come this is when Craig comes and arrests David for perverting the course of justice and failing to report a traffic incident. Oh no! Oh no! Um, break. Um, they they Shona and Sarah think that Todd has shopped David in. And he says, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Um, it look. It turns out that apparently the car was picked up on some security cameras. And that Craig's like, I was reviewing the footage and I recognised your car anyway, David. Yeah, because they had AMPR. Mm. Automatic number plate recognition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing is that there's a, on this bump um, in the car, it the colour matches. No, the, colour, the car's cut, colour matches... <laughs> The paint that was found on Todd when he was hit. So it appears that, that he was in what done it. Do you think that they deliberately manufacture paint to fleck off when you crash your car? Because I can't see how car paint comes off when you hit a person. What, no. was, what, did, what did Todd have on him? Like Was he scaffolding, carrying scaffolding around or... I don't know. What was he up to? Yeah, mate, yeah, how's, just a bottle of turps on him. How paint got off onto him? <laughs> Very convenient. thin, but he's not, like, like angular, is he? Well, like... I'd, I'd like to know what the severity of this accident was as well, because he seems, like, pretty fine, really. But the fact that, you know, a bit of paint was transferred hospital. onto him. Yeah. He's hit so, so hard with this car that he's got paint off the and car. And it's made a massive dent. And he's got blood on his face, and he's in hospital. But it's not so bad that he can't just get out of hospital whenever he wants. And not so dramatic that they might actually want to show it on Coronation no. Street. That was just well, a standard we'll run-of-the-mill car accident. Later, won't we? Yes, we will. Um, so, this is where Sarah has this scene with Todd, and he's like, she's like, oh, you're never going to change. She has a massive go at him, and says, how do you live with yourself? Blah, blah, blah. Um, what he did to Paul and Billy in summer was awful. Why can't you change? And he's like, I tried to change, but as soon as I saw Billy and Paul together, I realised I had to win him back, whatever the cost. And now they're better off without me, and so is my mum. Craig tells David, because this this is the police station now, that um, Shona has come into the station, shouting her mouth off, and she's been arrested. No, she's been just held in a little side room somewhere. Um, 
But anyway, you can go now, David, because new evidence has come in. Um, and David at first thinks that Shona has handed herself in and this is what the new evidence is. But it transpires that little guardian angel Todd has taken a trip to the Weatherfield police station and said, oh no, it wasn't that sort of car that hit me. It was something else. It was the same colour, but it wasn't that same model of car. Um, and that seems to not only get David off the hook, but the whole thing just seems to be dropped from this well, point yeah. onwards. Craig's like, well, in that case, I don't have a clue. I don't bloody know. When, if it You're was right, not him, Todd? it Fine. can't have been anybody. Right, car? Yeah. That's it. I, I give up. I quit. I'm going to do a different case Case now. closed. I'm going to look into this Jack the Ripper guy. Well, no, it's because the... Um, Fizz needs a rest then, doesn't she, on Friday? There's other police work to do around here. It's more serious. Yeah, I try my best, David, but... But there's an arsonist on the loose, so... (laughs) Um, So they're they're back at home later, and um, they're all very grateful for Todd for for not dobbing them in. Um, And he's decided that he's going to move on. Shona tells David, we need to do something to make Todd stay, because he's such an upstanding chap. Um, They go and grab Eileen from the pub, who uh, catches Todd at the tram station. He's like, no, don't go. I want you to come home. So it seems like this whole little two-episode uh, vignette was a, a rather overdramatic way of getting Todd to stay in Weatherfield on the street for a little bit longer, as yeah. is wants to happen Whatever on Coronation Street. Whatever happens to just talking it out. Yeah. Friday, this is where it kind of changes tack a little bit, and um, if, you, if you didn't hate Billy going into Friday's episode, wow. <laughs> surely you will by the end of Friday. What are they doing I, I, I think character? I've been... I've been fairly tolerant of Billy. Me too. I've, um, I I've not enjoyed him. I, I really, really liked Billy when he came into the show. And people started saying, I don't like Billy, he's a bit preachy, a bit, you know, um, a bit possessive, a bit uh, pretentious and, um, <laughs> uh, and, and many other things. But I was like, no, no, he's fine, he's fine. And, and over the past six months to a year, I've been like, oh, yeah, I can kind he's of sit, I can on kind me see now. what you're doing. But oh, goodness me, he was he was awful. Wasn't he a massive arse? He was a massive arse. On Friday. So, and talking of pretentious, I can't believe he got away with serving gazpacho at the mobile, mobile soup kitchen. Can <laughs> I you? I think that's it is August, it everyone. It, don't worry. I know it's not soup season, but it is gazpacho season. Help yourselves, everyone. It's made with peppers and tomatoes. It's good for you. So, you, you know how archdeacons are all about serving at the soup kitchen? I don't know, because nobody <laughs> knows what an archdeacon does and that's why Coronation Street picked that job. Random acts of charity. This is It's the... not a random act of charity. They had a van. It, it's got a logo on and everything. Yeah. So this is this is for Todd's community payback that it's being called. I know, it sounds like it. it sounds I've like never revenge. heard of that expression. <laughs> <laughs> You did the, the jurors <laughs> conspired. Hunt you down one by one and sweep your front and lawn. Pay you back by serving you <laughs> soup that's too hot and you're gonna burn the roofs of your mouths. And it's also minestrone. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, it was minestrone. Minestrone soup, with it? penne pasta in it. <laughs> it's nice and nice and um, chunky and hearty mm. and yes. Yeah, it keeps you going. Community pay. So he's got his orange um, he's got his orange jumpsuit yeah. or whatever he is, hasn't he? And, uh, it's, it's a, what's it? It's oh, it's a tabard. Jacket. Yeah. He turns up to um, the Victoria Court flats where the soup kitchen is being run from on the table because 
that's where all the homeless people on, in well, Weatherfield go. how much of a fuss they kicked up when they were going to put a halfway house in and they're perfectly happy for a soup kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I know. And also... I would have thought that they might, you know, go to the, the slums of Weatherfield. I or, think they are in the slums of Weatherfield. Or just go, or go and camp out outside the uh, the backyard of Gemma's house or something. You'd probably where, get a better clientele there. Where was this when Sean was homeless? Who would have loved that? There, there was a soup kitchen going on when I know, Sean but was it wasn't homeless. on... It wasn't on the street, no, because and they were also, allowed to film outside then. I just need to point out, too, that there is a very prominent sign, I believe, perhaps I'm remembering this wrong, right where they were um, pitched up. Oh, yes. Victoria, that's the Victoria Court car park for all the residents that says they no were, parking. Yeah, absolutely right, I didn't remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they, <laughs> because, like, because like, it doesn't apply to me, I'm the archdeacon, actually. Of uh, all of it is my divine right to be able to park here, actually, yeah. and serve soup to the, the That's homeless what Jesus of Weatherfield. Would want. Jesus doesn't like petrol cars. Yeah, Do so this. Todd turns up for his community payback, and what do you know, it's Billy there that's running it. What a coincidence. You never see Billy doing this, and the one day of the year that he does is when he's um, when his ex boyfriend is there to, and, to yeah. help out. And Todd's and like, he's like, hottest day of the year. Do you know what struck me? I think that God would want me to serve soup. But he wouldn't want you to serve soup, no. Todd. Do you know what? Bug off. He's actually telling me that he'd rather everyone starve to death than you help me. He, Billy just throws a massive hissy fit, doesn't he? He's such refuses, a drama queen. Refuses to let Todd have yeah. anything to do with this. He's like, even though you know, you're, episode. you're legally mandated, it's not like you've come rocked up and just stuck your oar in for no reason. Legally, we are both required... For you to work here at the soup kitchen. But I would rather shut the whole thing down. Everyone go... And, like, all the homeless people there going, Oh, okay. Hmm. Perhaps I'm going to be a Buddhist now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't shut the thing down, does he? But he... Well, he basically Rather says, than just yeah. saying, Look, you go and do your thing and I'll do my thing. Yeah. He just They just have a massive stand-up argument in the middle of the street. <laughs> and there is a queue of people behind waiting for their soup. Yeah. He was just so, yeah, so, so selfish, yeah, he is basically, during, during selfish this. Arse. Todd gets sent to the cafe and um, where he, he finds Mary, who, who learns about what's been going on. Mary tries to get Billy to forgive Todd, but he's like, no, I'm not going to show the Christian virtue of forgiveness, Mary, and you can bog off as well. I know. It's like he doesn't, it's like he doesn't trust himself to be around Todd because he's like, listen, He's a sexy fox, and if I'm anywhere near him, I'm going to be seduced again by the way that he ladles his minestrone. <laughs> you don't understand, Mary. He's got animal magnetism. I can't be trusted. I think I think he does <laughs> eventually let him back anyway, because we later see him mopping up some soup off a table that's definitely soup and not sick. Well, he and... said it used to be a game show called Sick or Soup, which I think actually sounds great, and I would like to see that as part of I'm a Celebrity and the way you can tell it's a taste test. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, it's better than him eating Todd's live animals. Todd's just making, being his usual self and making wisecracks about it. And Billy's like, this isn't funny. <laughs> Although, I'm sure earlier in the episode he'd been saying that this is this is something fun. I can't remember who he was talking yeah, he to. He said to me, it's supposed to be fun. It's like, you, you are an arsehole. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not a bit of a laugh well, to go and give to people be, food. I, I'm, I'm sure that it's it's enjoyable in it's a reward, way. It's supposed to be rewarding and edifying. It gives you a nice, glowy, warm feeling in your soul. I know, but it's not supposed to be fun. Well, it's not. It's not not fun, but you, you shouldn't do, call you it fun. It's like, no. 
So Billy has a go at Todd for having a joke around and and we're left at the end of this story with Billy saying, I'm going to make sure we're never on the same shifts again. Stop making stop making. He's probably going to do that by not ever helping out again. Yeah, I'm not doing any more charity. You're making it too much fun. There's no point doing charity unless you're miserable and you frown all the way through it and you hate it. I really don't think that Archdeacons run soup kitchens. I don't know, obviously, about this. Um, I don't know what they do. I imagine... That they do sermons from cathedrals and probably marry like politicians off, you know, <laughs> and then they go back to their archdeacon house, which he can't now, and then they sort of highlight bits of the Bible, and that's what they do. Put a little post-it notes in. Yeah, and like the bit that says about not being a dickhead to people, like uh I, you know what? I normally highlight things, but I'm just going to get my Sharpie and just cross this bit out because this must be a mistake. I, do, do, I want to know whether the, the showrunners, the writers, the storyliners, whoever, know what they're doing to Billy. Are they I know, th- sometimes it's, I feel the same way about other characters. Is, is Dan Brockenbank interpreting it in a certain way? But, I mean, the, the script says for him to do to say these things, but does yeah, how is, is he it? making himself worse than they mean to? Or... Do they do they not realise, or do they think that maybe he is justified in being annoyed at the fact that Todd's there because you know he is his ex and, and I know, everything? But it's like, but you're not professional. It it feels like there's an awful lot more nastiness from Billy than there is anything else. And and if yeah, pure-hearted Christian kindness. He used to be a lot sweeter and nicer. I'm really sure. And he used to smile. He did. More. He really, really did. He's just angry all the time yep. now. And yes, he's got stuff to be angry about, but I don't know. If I was working on Coronation Street, I'm not saying they'd do a better job, but I wonder how whether they listen to... Because there's been a lot of criticism of Billy, hasn't there, over the past couple of years. Do they listen to it and go, I don't care? Or do they listen to it and go, good, that's what I wanted? Or... Well, this is the thing. Not every character is there to be liked, are they? And sometimes it's important to have those characters. But I wouldn't have said that it's really important for us to dislike Billy no I don't think so and and I get the idea of oh he's a vicar but he's bad or oh, isn't that exciting but he's not bad is he he's just an arsehole yeah I mean anyone could be an arsehole there's nothing special about an archdeacon that's I just arsehole. I just get a feeling that we're still supposed to be liking him and going yeah Billy you tell him I think it doesn't help that we like Todd mm. and we're like how dare you how dare you he's just trying to help <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a shame, really, because I had been enjoying the Todd stuff on the Monday and Wednesday episode. Again, when he's away from the whole love triangle thing, which is the same as we said from Paul when he had that brief escape earlier this year. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and, but yeah, as soon as he starts interacting with Billy again, it's just like, oh, I'm not, I'm not enjoying, not enjoying watching this fallout. And it's not just because I want them to get back together and everything. And it seemed like I think a few weeks was it even last week we were saying, oh, maybe it's possible that he's going to worm his way back into Billy's life. But you see, this this makes me think it is, it is still possible because they're making a massive deal about how much Billy's cross with him. Oh, he doth protest too much. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay, so the, the Shona stuff then, we, we've been putting this off a little bit. What was our reactions to the, to the whole start on Monday? Because it seems like half the internet says uh, thought that they were missing... An episode. A lot of people did think, yeah, it, it was a very unusual way to begin. And uh, because because soaps can be very formulaic, whenever you mess with that, you can just confuse people. I, to be honest, 
I'll hold my hand up and say when we started watching this, because we were watching it on iPlayer, I was thinking, hang on a minute, did I... I did. I thought, did we press the wrong episode? I thought, yeah. but I thought, no, we couldn't have done because, you know, the first episode of the two always has the whole theme music yeah. and, and everything. That's so it, it didn't, yeah. it didn't last for long, but it did flash through my brain. Have we missed an episode here? The, the, so, the other problem that they've got here is that previous to this episode, we were on of the impression that each episode was following on from the one before it they kind of established this weird time line yeah everything happens the each episode is the day after uh, yeah it's also like if, if you don't see it it hasn't happened yep yep so I, I don't mind them playing around with the formula sometimes and and once you know five seconds i've got into the episode and i realized oh they're doing this i thought okay that's pretty fine I, it was nice that it was a an action-packed start to the week. I just, I just that was thinking. I wish we'd we'd seen the car accident. I don't get that at all because, I, I first of all, I like the way they started it. I like the, I like it when they take, you know, do a little bit of a something different, take a little bit of a risk. I mean, it was an unusual way to begin the episode. I enjoyed it because it was, you know, immediately established urgency and conflict. But I don't get people saying that they wanted to see. The crash because uh, we were it was establishing a mystery. But they could have done that whilst seeing the crash. Now I've seen no. some people saying, "Oh, it would have been I, really clumsy." Some people awful. have said, "No, I get how they probably couldn't do it for COVID reasons." Well, straight away I I'm going to say, "I don't true. think that that's anything to do with it." They could have had. I mean, if you've got a car window between you, I think that's fine. Yeah. But the very first stunt that they did on Coronation Street post-return yeah. filming was that... Um, Somebody being hit with a car. Sarah Lou being hit by a car and the whole mannequin incident. Yeah. Um, well, to be so fair, they, maybe they, they did watch that and go, right, we won't do that again. They absolutely could have shown it, but I think that they could have got the same mystery and even more so, maybe, if they'd have shown... If, if it had started off with Shona driving in the car, that would have got the whole, oh, hang on a minute, what's going here? And then if there had been a bump... Mm-hmm. And we'd seen her going, oh, what was that, what was that? And then driving off quickly and then coming back home. I liked it. I li- I really enjoyed it because the thing about Shona is that she is still got this brain injury and you're not really sure how she's interpreting things and whether it's a big deal or not. And it's more mysterious to me because you're, you, in that scene, you were David. You weren't Shona. You're experiencing it from David's perspective, yeah. and he is worried about Shona all the time because of how she's, how she's not really capable, you know, of looking after herself that well. Mm. And she's gone off in a car, and God, now she's come back, and she doesn't know she's hit somebody. That is more dramatic and interesting a perspective than Shona. Because how would they have played yeah. it? Would they have played it like Shona's like, la, 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 bump, hmm, la, 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 you know? What would they, how Maybe, would they I, have... I don't know. I just think it was really interesting to have, to you, because you are David in that scene, and then Shona bursts in, like, oh my gosh. And then suddenly, instead of, instead of you being in the car with Shona and going, oh dear, if we hit somebody, you're there with David going, oh God, anything could have happened. She could have hit, like, you know, she could have hit a Bloodman kid or something. Yeah, it was more it was more sudden urgency and intense mystery than it would have been if you had seen the accident because i think if you'd seen her in the car you would have gone well 
They're not going to have this just for her running over a duck. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose the problem, as was often the case, is that I'd seen a spoiler beforehand that Todd gets hit by a car from Shona. Had you you seen that? See, I wonder whether that's what people are like, oh, I was excited and looking forward to to seeing Todd get run over and now I've missed out. Mm. No, I I see what you're saying. It it still felt like it was cheaping out a little bit for me, but I, I get if you look at it from... This is from David's point of view then. I think it's just... Um, that makes sense. You don't have to see everything. I understand, but also I am... Sometimes I find... This is the other argument I'm going to put forward. The amount of stunts and things that are just are damp scripts. And you watch them, you're like, oh, okay. You know, and somebody's rolling off a car that's barely moving and falling <laughs> to the ground. And then somebody stands next to them, you know, at a two-metre distance and goes... can't all be catapulted oh, through no. the air like Kathy Matthews. Yeah, I, I'd rather they kept stunts irregular and bombastic than have lots of mundane... And it always is somebody bumping off of a slowly moving car. <laughs> well... <sighs> But I understand what you're saying. I'm just, this is my counterpoint. Yeah, no, I know that makes sense. And and I think if I hadn't read beforehand that Todd was going to get hit by a car, it would have been a bit more exciting. But I also would say that uh, people getting hit by a car isn't as exciting. And this is what I always say, as it used to be. Well, that's because my it's, point. But, but this partly is a more exciting it, way of showing it then. Because we've seen people get it hit used by cars. To, it used to be more of a a life and death sort of thing, didn't it? People are getting... <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's two or three times a year now somebody gets hit by a car. I know, it's, it's, a, it's an epidemic. But, but is it, I can't remember if it was earlier this year or late last year that, that someone got hit by the car that time after Will was you know, knocking at the piano. Do you think that, do you think that car accidents on Coronation Street are like a metaphor for COVID? Well, because explain. nobody's got COVID on Coronation Street, have they? No. At all. Nobody has got it and been fine or gone to hospital or anything, but everyone's been hit by a car at least once. <laughs> and, like, in the last, you know, 18 months, I would say more likely that you've had COVID than been hit by a car. <laughs> just an idea. Yeah. No, I just, I just think that they need to ease off on some of these things. because it's just like, Well, I'm going to say the same uh, thing. Well, you know, a lot of it is far too sensational sometimes. Yeah. And... We've got... Now, the, the other problem is... If it's going to be something sensational, though, make it actually sensational. Like, you were talking earlier, that time when David drove his car up the ramp and yeah, then it, and it exploded and Anna Windass's leg sat on fire. Okay, well, That's how you make a car argument. accident interesting. But they've it, got themselves... Say they've in... got a £10,000 budget for people being hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'd rather they spend £10,000 on one really good person hit by a car than a thousand pound on bumping people slightly with the Vauxhall <laughs> Corsa. I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, um, that, that's that then, isn't it? It did lead to some fun blackmailing from Todd. I thought that the story kind of was a bit of a quick build-up because yeah. it was only last Friday that we we heard about this traffic problem on the street, which is probably going to it, go because, back yeah, to normal the now that they've thing, had the accident. Was the whole thing just so that Shona could bump... Todd with her car. Well, the whole yeah, the whole thing was so that Todd could have an excuse not to leave Weatherfield, mm. which okay. she's always happens, doesn't it? Like somebody says they're going to go, and then they and have they get to hit be by a car. Something that makes somebody realise, oh no, actually, I don't Life want you to be go. Terrible I mean, it was, without you. It was fairly obvious as soon as 
we found out that Todd had been hit. I mean, as soon as I read about it on the internet last week, I thought, oh, this is just so that Eileen can tell him to stay in Weatherfield after all, which is what happens. Um, so, hooray, everything's back to normal there. Um, so I was, I was wondering what extent David, uh, uh, Todd's blackmail to David would be. I, I thought perhaps because David's pals with um, Paul, whether Todd would try and get in his arch nemesis Paul via David, like could David persuade Paul to leave Weatherfield or That would have been something. a better use of his time, wouldn't it? I don't know, but yeah. In the end, it just amounted to, can I have somewhere to stay, even though he already had somewhere to stay? This is the thing. I don't, I don't really get what was wrong with George and the Terrapins, but never mind. Um, so is, is Todd changed now? He did again, no, yet again. He hopefully seemed like not. he genuinely wanted to change. This is the problem with a character like this, isn't it? If you change too much, then you become a bit too boring, boring and bland, which is what people are saying a little bit is going on with Tracy at the moment. Mm, she yeah. since since settling down with Steve, she's lost a little bit of the fire and the spite and the nastiness and uh, whatever that she once had. And yeah, she isn't as fun as she used to be. Yeah, but. It's certainly, you know, laying dormant within her to pull it out again at the drop of a hat. And maybe that's just how they're going to do it with Todd. Because they he can't all the time be scheming and nasty. Because I yeah. don't think people are. And and especially if they want to keep him, keep him as a, a long-term character. They've got to give him some stories where he's just a normal guy. Yep. Um, but I, I think that maybe bringing Sarah Louise in could be a good way to remind him of his humanity. I mean, it would make sense if we if we ease off on you know on Todd being being manipulative for a few months and then come back to it. There's still there's still this this underlying issue of who's Billy going to properly, properly end up with? Because we, yeah. did, we didn't see Paul at all this week, did we? No. I would have thought that, I don't know, maybe we would have had Billy going home and having a big old moan to Paul about Todd in the soup kitchen and Paul going, oh, always going on about Todd, I don't know. Are they dating? Oh, no, they're not, are they? No. No. Paul, at the end of last week's or whenever it was, had decided that he's better, too good for Billy or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, this was just a bit of a weird, janky kind of sell a tape together story, I think. Like yeah. lots of it don't make doesn't make sense. Like why was Todd out? That's a weird that's a weird thing. We don't really know the answer to, but it makes you wonder, which is a bad thing in a story. You don't want people to be wondering about inconsequential details. You don't want anything to stick out too much. No, it reminded me a little bit of, of um, story. Reminded me a little bit of when they had the factory roof collapse and it turned out that, you know, Nick was on an early morning jog and there were various yeah, reasons set, why characters were yeah, out. Which they set that, that up. That's, didn't they? That was set up better. Yeah. And with because this, it was just like, oh yeah, Shona was just moving her car, and it, like it didn't. Why? Well, fuck, what was five? And why well, was she, she out? says she saw a she saw a space, didn't she? It was know, all but... just very very coincidental yeah. that they. So it it didn't work quite quite yeah. so well. Coincidences, you know, are always going to be manufactured in soaps, but sometimes they're a bit too glaring, and this was weird and. Um... It was it was okay. It was fine. It just it felt fine. like I said. It just felt like it was sellotaped together. It's uh, it's nice to have David and Shona and Sarah having scenes again because David and Shona they're just um, 
They've been they've been off the radar. Background characters. They've been really, really background characters, yeah. which is always weird. And that also is as weird is the fact that Gail is still away. Literally, when when Gail said, I'm going to Thailand, I was like, No, she's not, no, she's not. And then next week she's like, Oh blimey, she is going. She's gone. She'll be back soon. And like, I've got no idea when when Gail's coming back. She's obviously fingers crossed, not left for good. She's not done an Emily Bishop here. Yeah, but maybe you she never could, know. She could die on a beach. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what what happens there. Um, okay, let's let's move on. Oh, I've written here that orange is maybe Mary's third favorite color, which I thought was again quite a another funny quote. bad plotting because it just makes you wonder that what are the top. Two? <laughs> uh, that 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 sort of makes it funnier for me, I know, and, and I that's the joke. I can't stand Mary a lot of the time at the moment. Really. But, yeah. So mean. But that, that particular line did tickle my funny bone a little bit, where she's like, that's my third favourite colour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, do you rank all the colours, Mary? Literally every single one. What, where's Puce? <laughs> right, Gemma, um, speaking of orange, let's uh, let's go to the Flames of Burn Baby Burn story. I'll pass Poor over to Elena. you. Nah. Still got, I still, sorry, I'm still really, really finding it difficult to have any sympathy for Elena. I feel really bad I for don't, her. I don't. Anyway, go on. What's been going on? On Monday, Evelyn sees Tyrone is moving back in and she's been texted by Fizz and she rings back but she won't pick up. And Tyrone says, oh, Fizz is at Silla's looking after her. And Evelyn's like, that's strange. How come she just left without saying goodbye to me or Ruby? Hmm. Fizz phones from her hidey hole, which is just outside Manchester. It did... I don't know whether I'm making this up, but when I was seeing them there, I was like, is, is this the place that Nick and Leanne and Simon stayed at? Is it the same set? I, think I was she... trying to find some video clips of it. And I know that, that those characters went to like two, maybe yeah. even three different places when they were on the run this year. But just seeing that really reminded me of Simon there with his Xbox or whatever it was he was playing with. And I think I'm she... sure it's not because Corrie would never do anything like that. But I think she followed that. the signs that said hideout. And yeah. just naturally ended up in the one place. Going around the, the ring road and then took the hideout exit. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Great. Um, she says she, she's getting desperate. She doesn't have a plan. But she's going to talk to Evelyn and Ruby later and put them straight, which means that she's going to lie to them about what's going on. Yeah, she, she's she's only in contact with Tyrone at the beginning of the week, yeah. isn't she? She's telling Ty this. And, and we were wondering last week whether how much Evelyn knew or how much she suspected... She definitely knows something's going on, but she hasn't put things together. Because like... it's a bit of a weird thing to jump to. <laughs> so, um, this key ring is still missing, but it was found in Hope's basket yes. in her box. Along with Emily Brontosaurus. So, Tyrone and, and Fizz have found it, but Alina still thinks it's missing. But then Tyrone gives it to her and says, Oh, I found it in my other jacket. It can't have been Fizz. Because Alina suspected Fizz because she thought she'd stolen the keys and let herself in. Mm. So Alina says, well, in that case, I'll phone the police and tell them that um, I was wrong. I feel so bad about, about accusing Fizz. I was so Fizz. sad. I'm so sorry. Um, Tyrone tells Alina, hooray, Emma's moving back in. And she says, I've told the police that it wasn't Fizz, but it doesn't change the fact that somebody still tried to kill me. Craig comes round and he's like, hi, did you... Um, remember that you were trafficked because I was thinking about this and it probably was them anyway bye (laughs) then he comes back later and goes guess what do you remember that woman that was in charge of all the traffic girls like you Rachel the evil one who who shot Yan Mm. 
She's out. <laughs> You're going to ask her some questions How about... How long ago was that? Was that like two years ago, that story? It can't have been three. It's okay, look. It wasn't her gun. Or maybe it was her gun. But she didn't kill anybody. I was very surprised to hear that Rachel has been let out quite so soon. Considering what she was involved in and the fact that she shot somebody and could have killed them. (laughs) Released within two years? Mm, I don't know. She gave evidence to help them stop all human trafficking in the world. Oh, that's quite good then. So they said, okay, two years. (laughs) So anyway, um, uh, they they talked to her in the station and then he's like, oh no, I forgot all about this, that I was once a slave. Because you treat me so well, Tyrone, I only have to make you dinner every day, once a day, so it's not like being a slave at all. <laughs> Remember when I was a sweet, innocent slave that uh, poor Seb as a, had to rescue before I was an evil, sexy temptress? Yeah, those are the good old days. I'm worried that we are in danger. So on Wednesday, I mean, she, she knew she was in danger because somebody set fire to her. So I think she's in super danger now, though. Super danger. Yeah, some some evil crim has got a hit out on Well, no, it's not just that they're criminals, Michael. They're organised. Mm. Organised crime. Mm. It's more. It's a bit more serious than sporadic crime. <laughs> on Wednesday, Alina is trying to hunt Rachel down online. Weirdly, she hasn't updated her Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Out of prison. Who's up for drinks? <laughs> Mind you, I bet some people do have the... I bet they do. <laughs> Um, Tyrone's like, let's move in to my house that I own that is empty, apart from my gran and my my kid. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this house that is definitely my house and was uh, yes. that I got after Jack Duckworth left, but for some reason I'm, I'm letting everyone else living there. <laughs> so he phones up and says... Phones um, up Fizz. Phones up Fizz and says, look, do you mind if I move into the house that you're not living in right now? And she's like, oh no, Hope's such a nightmare. I'm scared of her burning me to death. Yeah, Hope's there being very demanding, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She has been. A bit she of a she doesn't pain. like being hidden away in no, the flat. She doesn't know what's going on. Um, I was surprised how fine with it Fizz was about Tyrone and Alina moving well, into their house and presumably a... doing it in their bed because uh, they can't keep their pants on, can they? She should have at least laid some ground I don't, rules Michael, here. I, she's lost her baby. I don't think that she's feeling amorous. I don't know. No. Oh God. Um. At first, you don't succeed. Try no, again. No, 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 no. Right. Okay. <laughs> so she said, this says, I don't mind. Ask Evelyn. Because she actually lives there. Tyrone goes around and says, um, can we move in? Evelyn's like, mm, not very impressed with this. But then Alina comes in and says, oh, I've been trying to get in touch with some of the people from the nail bar. But then she sees Rachel trying to get into the salon. And Rachel turns around and sees her. And it's like, oh, no. That was just random and weird, that was wasn't so odd. it? Oh, what are, the, what are the chances? I've been hunting for you, Rachel, and now you are looking through the window at the salon. And I then don't she understand. has a couple of scenes, okay, then so, goes off again. So Rachel has been spoken to by the police, so she knows that Alina has been a victim of arson. So she then decides to go to the salon where she knows that Alina works to just say it definitely wasn't me, which doesn't seem at all suspicious. The police probably would have said, don't, don't try contact and contact her. her, the victim of your evil trafficking. Well, but maybe no. if it was Craig that was talking to her, he probably just forgot. Yeah, and he's probably like, look, I won't mind if you do, but you shouldn't really. <laughs> I won't hold it against you. Um, Alina, I mean, Rachel's like, oh, I was a victim too. 
just because I benefited financially and materially from your enslavement doesn't mean that I was not also part of the same tragic system of... She did have... What? Mm, Coercion. There there was that other guy, wasn't there, that she... Was it her boyfriend or something that was the one that was really running the show? So what? But it didn't... I, I In my head... I don't really look back on it and think that Rachel was the innocent victim. Yeah, in it's all like this. calm down, Myra Hindley. Shut up. You're just <laughs> as much a, a part of it. Anyway, she says, um, "Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, it wasn't me. I didn't set fire to your flat. I'm just trying to find out what happened." And Hindley says, "Stay away from me." So she goes to number nine and says, it "Definitely wasn't um, Rachel." Oh. It was not Rachel because she had a hospital appointment. Oh, yeah. Like, what does that mean? I, you know, people don't turn up to hospital appointments all the time. Straight out and of what prison. what was Yeah, what's she going to the, the hospital for? I don't know. She just likes, she just likes to sit in, in horrible institutional card-backed waiting rooms. <laughs> like, I just really miss this, the feeling of nobody caring about you <laughs> and thinking that you're an inconvenience to them. <laughs> Who else could have started the fire? And Evelyn's like, hmm. Which which often Evelyn makes knows. me think that it sounds a bit like it was her that did it. But no, it wasn't. It was Hope. This was... I, I was... When I um, saw Rachel, I was like, oh, of course. When they were talking about, oh, somebody from her from her past. I was like, oh, yeah, obviously it wasn't Hope then. But now I'm th- See, it the, obviously the, is the, Hope. At this point, though, uh, like, like I was saying last week when people were wondering, was it actually Hope or not? I was thinking, well, if Todd is... Sorry, if Hope is allowing... Her, sorry, if Todd and, and Hope, you know, same, same. character, aren't they? <laughs> um, if Hope is allowing herself to be dragged off, you know, at the drop of a hat to go and live in this hidey hole in the outskirts of Manchester, if she hadn't set the fire, she would have said something. And, and Fizz has apparently been lecturing her about why setting fire to people and places is wrong. I think she's basically admitted it several times, though, hasn't she? She has, but Pete, there, were, there were certain people who were still saying, ah, but what if there's a twist? What if it wasn't her? Uh, this is so what when I'm this whole waiting thing, for, this, When this whole thing with Rachel came along, I was thinking... Well, no, it can't have been Rachel. It wasn't her. And it seemed very odd to me that they bring it back. I mean, I suppose it makes sense in that maybe Alina does have some enemies. But then when you think about it too much and you start thinking, what? why would Rachel come out straight away? Why would she go around there and set fire to the house? It just, it just didn't add up. And I, and I hope that there's more to it. Do I hope that there's more to it than this? I don't really I do, know. because it just feels like a bunch of... It felt like a waste of time cameo, having yeah. Rachel back into it, if it was just to say, it want me, Gov. Yeah, this it feels like they had a returning artist budget and they couldn't get the the actress who plays Kirsty, and they're like, oh, we've got this money. What should we do? Should we run Todd over? Should we get Rachel back? People will want to see Rachel more than they want to see Todd run over. No, people want to see Jan. If you're going to have any returns in the trafficking storyline, bring back Jan. Would have loved Jan to come back. Oh, that would have been amazing. Sorry, sorry, Rachel. Very Rachel shot Jan. That's that's why he left in the end, wasn't it? Because she shot him and then he takes himself to hospital and then discharges himself. And he wanted Um, to protect Eileen, didn't he? Yeah, wasn't it Sean went to visit um, Jan in hospital and was saying... um, you you need to leave Eileen right alone. You've got her into all this danger. And, and then he swans off. But, oh, man, I, I know. really well, want the answer to come back. Maybe this is It the... wouldn't have made any sense for him to come back and be like, definitely nobody's trying to set fire to you. Anyway, <laughs> bye. 
Well, I don't anyway, know. I, I I wonder if this is the last we'll see of Rachel now. But I don't, like you say, if it is, it seems utterly pointless. They didn't. Pointless. They didn't even need to bring up. Maybe it's the the trafficking <laughs> people because surely everybody has got multiple enemies living on Coronation Street because of the various stories they've been in the past. It it feels yeah like a a needless red herring if that's literally it. But it, I don't know. So on Friday. Um, Evelyn's trying to phone Fizz so that Ruby can talk to Hope. And Tyler's like, oh, no, you can't. Um, and he doesn't, he's just acting really suspicious. And Alina says, I don't want to go back home until the arsonist is caught. And Evelyn suggests, yeah, Evelyn and uh, Alina are talking. She's being sympathetic. And Alina's like, I never thought you'd be nice to me, you whole normally horrible bitch. And um, Evelyn suggests that they, you know... Um, Abby's got that nice garden for Seb. Why don't you do something? <laughs> it doesn't involve throwing soil. Evelyn has somehow managed to be incredibly nice and understanding it and sympathetic to absolutely everybody in this story, hasn't she? Yeah. Considering that, you know, she, some people put her down as being no more than the evil battle axe, the Blanche she's rip-off, not. blah, she's, blah, she's blah. What much more three-dimensional. Yeah, she she's really... She's so good. I, I, I think it's it's a real credit to the character that she's able to... She's not been taking sides. As much as at times it's looked like she has, like when her and Fizz had that movie evening and they basically slag off Tyrone. But she's she's just giving everybody what they need, isn't she? Like, she's being being Fizz's friend. She's being um, Tyrone's grandma, great-grandma, grandma. Yeah, grandma. Yeah. So she like you know being more authoritarian with him than she is with Fitz because Fitz hasn't done anything. But she's and she's still not completely washing her hands of him. And then even with Alina, she's being totally sympathetic about the more than I am. Like yeah, <laughs> Evelyn's got more of a heart than me yeah. about this whole miscarriage thing. And then coming up with the idea of the of the uh, the memorial memorial tribute thing. Lovely. Yeah, Tyrone has a sneaky phone call to Fitz and leaves an answer phone message saying, I can't stand lying to everybody like this, you've got to come back. And Lena comes round and says that she wants to put some flowers down in Victoria Gardens for the baby. And, oh, this was really sweet, because she, she was saying, you never seem to be upset. And he says, I wanted to be strong for you. And she says, we got to be honest. we got to, um, you've got to share your feelings. And she says, if we're not honest, our relationship is worth nothing. It was sweet, but it was also a way for Tyrone to go, oh... I'm having secret I'm phone secret. calls with the ex behind your back. I know, yeah. Evelyn gets Scylla's number from Chesney and finds it weird that, um, because Scylla didn't want Chesney and Joseph going down to see her in a few weeks, a few weeks ago, but she, somehow she's got Fizz and Hope there. So she calls her up and says, can I speak to Fizz? And then she's like, what? On the other end of their phone. Like, oh, and somehow Scylla's like explaining it at great lengths. Something that normally would only take like that was a strangely three done. words to say. She's not here. That was a very strangely paced phone call because she's like, "Hello, Scylla, it's me, it's Evelyn," and then about half a second says, "I'm fine, how are you?" So Scylla, Scylla said that bit very quickly. Yeah. And then the, when she was actually explaining, "No, Fizz isn't here," it took a strangely it's a very long, long amount time, of time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's going. You know what? She's not here. I haven't seen her for weeks. I'm sick and tired of this kid. Raised her. So they took care of her. I know she was fostered out and all that stuff, but that's water under the bridge now. I just want her to come and, and look after me and see an idol. She's having a great time in never Cornwall at the me, moment, isn't Scylla? Never sent me so much of a Christmas card. It's my birthday the other week. What did I get? Nothing. And Evelyn's like, 
Oh gosh, <laughs> wish I hadn't asked. <laughs> so, um, back at number nine, Evelyn tells Tyrone that it's time to fess up. Where is Fizz? She knows Tyrone's been shady. He obviously is up to something. Alina's sitting alone with a bunch of flowers in Victoria Gardens with her big-eyed, wayfish, sad expression that she's got. Chesney comes over and says that Scylla has been posted... Chesney was just a, a fountain of helpful information and, and to, to move He's the plot along. He's exposition boy He, he totally was, yeah. He was like, yeah, you want Scylla's phone number? Here it is. And, oh, and later on, oh, guess what? Person who I never, ever have a scene with. My mum is on holiday in Cornwall with her new fellow at the moment. She's been posting pictures all over social media. He's not really got any reason to like Alina either. No. Or talk to her about his mum's holiday. No. I don't talk to most people about my mum's holiday. Especially not um, the person who's having stole, an affair with stolen your... me off of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alina's like, that's weird. How come Fizz is only talking to Tyrone? Hmm. Tyrone's getting desperate with Evelyn and finally admits what's going on and says, I wanted to go to police, but Fizz wanted to go on the run because she said it would make a better story. We might go on the front of the soap magazines. Um, And Evelyn says, this is stupid. (laughs) Get her to come back. This is more important than you putting flowers in Victoria Gardens, even though this was my idea. The two of them phone Fizz and speak to them and Evelyn's like, please come home. Alina then sees Fizz and Hope coming into the house and sees Tyrone and a Evelyn sort of ushering them in. And, you know, she's furious. I think she must be a bit jealous. And she's also um, put out because she's supposed mm. to be doing this. So she was supposed to be putting the flowers down. And then she turns around and there's Tyrone with his ex. Yeah. Yeah, not really a good, good look, is it? So she phones up the police. Well, she phones up Craig, doesn't she? She doesn't 999 it. She's just like, hello, Craig, it's me, Alina. Yeah. There's another crime on this street. (laughs) She's such a grass, isn't she? Fizz tells Tyrone that she needed time to process things and try to to get Hope to realise what she's done, which hasn't worked at all. And Fizz is like, Tyrone, I'm actually scared of her. (laughs) I thought that was great. Tyrone says, (laughs) Hope needs help. Then there's a knock on the door and it's DS Abney and it's Craig, old Fringe McBangs. Um, they want to talk to her. It's the ginger police squad, isn't it? She, yeah, she's proper ginger as Abney. I can't. I can only picture the shape of her. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they say right. We're going to talk to you about the fire down at the station. She gets in the car and she looks accusingly at Tyrone and says, "Oh, I didn't. I didn't call them. I didn't call them." And Alina walks up, like looking, you know, really. She's like a furious, triumphant, furious hamster, and Fizz realizes it was her. And Fizz, Tyrone says, it's now it's time to do the right thing. And it's like, Tyrone, don't turn out in front of the cops, idiot. <laughs> and and DS Abby's like, it's all right. I'm technically off the clock at the moment. You say what you like. I won't <laughs> hold it against you. Not that kind of copper. Um, inside, Tyrone has a bit of a go at Alina. And she makes him admit that he knew that Fizz wasn't at her mum's. And she says, I know it was Fizz. He started the fire. And you've been in on it. And she has a go at the at Tyrone in the community garden later as well. And eventually he admits that actually he wasn't covering for Fizz, he was covering for Hope. Um, which suddenly everything slots into place. Because, you know, if you're Alina, you must be completely confused and furious because none of this makes any sense at all. 
Why would he be covering for Fizz? They don't really get on that well. And then she's like, of course, it's your arsonist daughter who did oh, it. Yes. No, why didn't I think of that? Oh, this is the same girl that set fire to the trampoline. Hmm, that, that should probably should have made sense at the beginning. <laughs> um, so, oh, later on uh, at the station, Abney is questioning Fizz. He's crying, a bit worried. <laughs> um, Alina says... That she, Alina's like, oh, wow, Fizz is making this up to try and get herself off the hook. Oh, yeah, that's right. She doesn't origin, She doesn't straight away believe, it. believe that it could because be arsonist hope that's done this. No, she wants to blame Fizz because this is the most convenient and emotionally helpful thing because mm. she doesn't like Fizz anyway. Um, and she thinks it makes more sense that it was Fizz trying to hurt her on purpose and kill the baby because she doesn't want this to have been a horrible accident, even if it was arson, you mm. know? So then Tyrone says the worst possible thing, which was, you might have lost the baby anyway. You don't even know if it was the fire. <laughs> He's not wrong though, is he? Because she did go into hospital with bad stomach pains. It's not appropriate and you don't need to say this. I think this is maybe how they're going to, you know, let hope off the hook. The fact that they'll just say, well... Yes, she started the fire and yes, after the fire, Alina lost the baby, but you can't make a I, direct link between you, the two of them. You can if you want to. I know, but but she doesn't want to hear this because if... Oh, it's no, it's never not what you want her, to hear. It's, it's, never, it's never your fault if you have a miscarriage. Obviously, everybody knows this logically, but emotionally, you, blame, you would blame yourself. But if there's an outside force that has done something then you can direct your anger at the universe to that specific person. Yeah, like that time that Michelle got kicked in the stomach with the football when she was pregnant with Rory. You remember that? Uh, Lol. No. (laughs) What else happened? Um, Yeah, so so Lena's like, stay away from me, we are done. Oh, no. Oh, that's a shame. Evelyn tries to talk to Hope about the fire and Hope's like, yeah... I did it, it was an accident, I didn't mean to set fire to Alina and the baby, but I'm sick and tired of having to say sorry all the time. <laughs> I, I just wanted them to split up, really, honestly. She's just, like, so frustrated and fuming, the fact that all her plans have come to nothing. I know, I really Daddy's want... Daddy's still not coming home. What I want is for her to be mentored by Todd and David. Like, yeah, listen, somebody needs to... You, um... need to... you need to scale it back, Hope. You need to be a bit less ambitious. <laughs> you need to work your way up to... This is, this is like, you know... This is a high, a high level of manipulation. You're still just a kid. Yeah, they're trying to suppress her naturally evil urges. They need but to... putting her with somebody, yeah, like you say, like What Todd. they need to do is to send her off to a private school, get her in with the, with the bigwigs, and eventually she'll be on track to be Prime Minister. And she'll Weatherfield be perfect. Weatherfield School for Future Psychos. Yeah, and politicians. <laughs> so, um, Tyrone comes home, tells Evelyn, Alina's dumped him. She's like, oh dear, that's sad. Abney comes to the door and says, Fizz said she started the fire and she's going to go to prison. Yeah. And, and Evelyn's like, sits down in a swoon. Oh, no. So she Again, she was very, very sympathetic when Tyrone said that Alina had dumped him. She was... She's the... Th- the I really she, like she her could, because She could she, have been yeah. like, well, you know, it's for the best or... Or, or whatever, but she was like, oh, I'm so, I was so, she so sorry for you. She seems to be taking the philosophy of, well, you've done it now, you know, like, oh, well, you set a fire now, what can we yeah, do about that? Yeah, it is. It's, oh, it's you've a, had a baby with your mistress, what can we do about that? You know, nothing. Clearly so Fizz would never take it. you back, but you've set yourself up a new life here. 
and now yeah. this is full and flat as well. So what did you were you expecting Fizz to take the blame here? Oh yeah, I guess so. I don't really. Yeah. I, I don't really know. Um, I don't know. It, obviously, it's going to come out, isn't it? I've oh, got yeah, just, yeah. I really want to know what they're going to do with Hope. I know. I, I'm not. I'm no closer to figuring that out than I was last is, week. Like being fascinated with fire when you're a child is not an unusual thing, but setting fires and nearly killing people. And it's been a is... long term um, fascination that she's had now. It's been a good few years that she's been into this. And and I'm not. I don't blame Fizz for saying I'm scared of her, and and Tyrone saying that she needs help and everything. She's and got a very distinct lack of empathy, but I also don't think that's unusual. No, that's, in, in children. No, I I don't think that she completely understands, and it could well be that because how old is she now? Ten. Um, that you know, given a few years, that she could understand the severity of it. it was like I was saying last week. I don't think that she quite gets that what's happened with Alina losing the baby and everything. It's, it's well, a, an easy solution to the problem of, I don't want a, <laughs> a, another baby brother, actually. Um, but uh, Fizz is being very, very blind. The, yes, she's being protective, but... Um, but the question is, say you were to, to sort of go to the authorities and say, my child's done this, what, you know, how would they actually help you? Would And is this going to... Send you hit? to a school in Birmingham... <laughs> But, where, but, where, where, where the daughter of your ex-murderous husband is working as a TA. <laughs> is there a solution that is going to help Hope and also not affect her future and sort of, you know, I mark her permanently as a, a subversive criminal? I don't know. I don't know how. And, and like, if there isn't, should there be? Is is you know, if in if in like fifteen years' time, hope like sets fire to her husband and her kids, you know, and everyone's like, oh, that's funny because we sent her to that special school and they said that she was cured. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or or is it you know could she could she just grow out of it? And be like, oh, that was funny. Do you remember when I was a kid and I used to try to kill people with a fire? We've all done crazy things when we were little. Well. And and I and I don't th- I don't think it's something that Coronation Street ca- can keep up forever. I don't know. I think some people really do. Is only going to be entertaining for so long. With setting fire to things. I don't know. I I think that that they'll they'll tone it down at some point, which is why I think that Tyrone is right in this case that we we really shouldn't just be letting her run free because what well, yeah all Fizz is doing is taking away. A parental influence and, yeah. and, and is giving Hope the opportunity to run rampant even further and, and you know maybe get mad about the fact that her mum has been taken away from her I'm going to I'm going to take out my anger on somebody by setting fire to them I know that Hope think, I mean Fizz thinks that she's doing this to protect Hope but it's it's really really not and, and Fizz has been in prison before and everything so she knows what it's like maybe she'll I'm not going to put uh, a kid in prison no no they're, they're not I, I don't know what the what the answer would be. I can't remember how old you have to be to be sent to, to juvie, but it's certainly not Hope's age. Um, so, yeah, Fizz just needs to to tell the truth, really. It seemed... And I, and I wish she had been, because I, I've obviously been on Team Fizz for the whole of this story, but running away last week and then doing this this week, it's... Um, Bit stupid. Not very okay. easy to champion. It's just annoying. Yeah. And and it's just and it's just like saying there you go Tyrone and Evelyn she's your problem now, it's not yeah. saying that but it's 
Yeah. She, she, I, I, there's no way that she can help her daughter by being inside. How how on earth now that I've never even thought of this, but you're right. How on earth are are Evelyn, Tyrone, and Elena? Is Elena just gone? Right, that's it now. Now that Fizz is in prison, it looks like I'm gonna be on babysitting duties if I stick around here. So I'm going. You and you and Evelyn can sort it out. Yeah. And, and so what, where's she gonna go? So she get like I, I now I imagine that Tyrone and, and Evelyn will move in together and co parent Hope and Ruby. But equally if I was Fizz I'd worry about the things that Tyrone has said in the past of be like, She's not my daughter. I know, me too. So yes, she's leaving her with the dad in inverted commas, um, for the moment, but He's yeah, not exactly if he, if he a does very it again, father is he? No, and, and and Evelyn's, you know, she's getting on a bit. She can't. Evelyn will be look after her more than Tyrone will. Yeah, yeah, she will, but it's not a, not a permanent solution. Maybe, maybe Evelyn can help to channel her, sort of fascination into fiction and like get her to watch London's Burning or maybe. Maybe. Or backdraft. <laughs> or d- towering inferno. In any case, I, I don't... Would that help or would it make it worse? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, do you think that Fizz is going to go to prison? I know they sometimes like to no. throw characters in prison just to get them off the screens for I a really bit or to have a little story, but... This is just... This is like a punctuation in the story rather than the end of a paragraph. Mm. I think it's just going to be... And then well, it, it was came like, out like, that it was l- hope. With last week, when, when Fizz ran away into hiding that could have been an opportunity to say okay let's pause this story for two three weeks and then pick it up again but straight away it was like oh no Fizz is still around and now she's back on the street again so yeah I, I maybe like I wonder I wonder whether like would would Evelyn or Tyrone go to the police station and say no it was Hope because like, you know what you know what, likely I, to do that. what I hear is that uh, Tyrone Dobbs <laughs> Is he going to dob in his own daughter Maybe. to to save Fizz? Because he he know he, he hopefully he'll think about the fact that what she's doing isn't the the best solution. Literally, nothing they've done has made this any better. So it's time to stop acting as though that there's some kind of homebrew remedy or school that you can send Hope to to stop her from setting fire to things. She needs something a bit more drastic. Lobotomy. Because. <laughs> Because who knows whether she, you know, from a purely selfish perspective, at some point she's going to hurt herself if she's not careful. She could trap herself. Well, yeah, she's she's been close to that in the past, hasn't she? she? She trapped herself in the burning factory. Uh, but that how one did time, that happen? I thought that she just went in there and set a fire. I can't remember. Yeah, and she nearly killed herself. And, and, and Ruby was there. And Ruby, so. yeah. And then she set fire to the trampoline and then this. Is that the only three things that she's I done? I can't remember. I can't remember. There's probably more. Poor old Ruby again. Getting tam- she get one scene this week, did she's she? She's the good child. She got to sit on the sofa and then was sent upstairs. And she doesn't. She hasn't done anything wrong and everyone's giving all the attention. Yeah. i tell you what, how I'd like this story to end is... Um, you know, in maybe maybe ten years' time, uh, Fizz and um, I mean Ruby and Hope are sort of enjoying a a nice evening together, and then suddenly, uh, Ruby turns to Hope and says, "You know what? A whole childhood, you've been the one that everyone paid attention to, because you you're the problem child, and you've ruined you've ruined my life. And if you like fire so much." How do you like this? And just <laughs> flames her up. It wouldn't surprise me if they go down the route of Hope uh, of Ruby going off the rails because she feels like she's Resentful. the yeah 
the the child that nobody pays any attention to because they've they've had that with like you know Sophie felt that she was yeah. in that position while Rosie was going through all her her goth it's phases. It's a perfectly and natural reaction. Yeah. So I, what I'm interested to see now with Tyrone is because he he's got two battles to fight here, hasn't he? He's got the battle of winning Alina back and the battle of looking <laughs> after Hope. Mm. So this is going to show where his loyalties lie, really. True. Very good. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, I'm in no way gutted that Alina has dumped Tyrone. Temporarily, tem- Temporarily, yeah, probably. It doesn't feel that it's completely over. But yeah, if he starts trying to fight for Alina back and that's and says, Evelyn, can you deal with the, uh, with the Hope situation? That's not going to look too good on him. Speaking of Evelyn, though, did anybody else listening feel that Maureen Lipman and Alan Hustle weren't filming in the same space at any point in Friday's episode. There was a very, very, uh, what's the word? Obvious and uh, very sticky outy bit where Tyrone, it felt like they'd lost the footage or they didn't record it or they had to do a rewrite or something. Press the player button. Press the record button. Because Alan House was sitting on the very extreme left-hand side of the screen talking to Evelyn who was speaking off camera to him and he's reacting to what she's saying but we didn't cut to her until quite a significant part way into the scene. Yeah. Which makes me think that that was like ADR that from Evelyn or perhaps cut from the original recording that for some reason went wrong but then it they just also, was gla- this is the word glaring they also glaring had a shot obvious. which really really looked like Maureen Littman had been green screened in and, and now Tyrone was, was on the left hand of it and then there was a table in the middle yeah. and then there was Evelyn it, it didn't it didn't look right at all but then they had some other scenes it. where they did look like they were in the same room together but it I, was very odd. I don't know what, I don't know whether anyone else picked up on that but yeah, what happened? What happened there? Is it just us? Street. Yeah, are we, are we seeing things that don't exist? Right, Reef for Franklin now. Oh, the drama on this. This this led to another mystery, didn't it? We had the mystery of um, who had shown a hit in the car and then there was a mystery oh, on what's yeah. going on with the garden on the who end of Wednesday's episode. Who vandalised the garden? Well, they find out pretty quickly on Friday. That was another mystery that was solved very, very quickly. So, Monday. Um, not only is Shona... What was that? Sorry. Not only, not only is Shona and David and Todd up at five... What are you doing? Did I press anything then? I don't know whether you did. No, I didn't. Not only are they up at five o'clock on Monday morning, but Dev and Asha are as well. Corey, you're taking advantage of them having a morning, and a very early morning start. Asha's downstairs getting a glass of water or something. She's got a headache. Um, Dev tells her at this point about the memorial garden for some reason, and she thinks that that's a great idea. Cut to later in the day, Asha goes to the cafe telling Nina that she wanted to help. And because of the way Corey is with its block filming and everything, I'd completely forgotten that Asha and Nina had had a falling out over the um, posting uh, cartoons on, oh, sorry, graphic art on Instagram. Would you, do you remember that one? That feels like yeah, it was a long time I ago. Remember. When 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 they reminded us, I was like, oh yeah, that had happened. But I had forgotten that they'd had a bit of a falling out. But anyway, they make up now because it um, serves the storyline better that they're friends for a little bit. Um, and they put their heads together for how they can raise money for Seb. Asha goes round the garage looking for Kevin later with a collection tin that she somehow managed to acquire from somewhere. Abby says that she all, all throughout the week, Abby's not really been... Uh, up for this idea she doesn't really want to have the collection tin at the garage she puts it down to the fact that they don't have very many customers there you might be better off going 
I think Debbie says, take it to the bistro because Debbie's there as well. And then when um, Asher goes, Abby says to Debbie, look, I, I don't need, we don't need any help from this. We don't need to raise money. We don't need anything like that. We just need these scumbags who did this to go to prison. Um, and then we also see Asher getting a mysterious phone call, uh, which turned out to be, oh, that must have been to do with a laptop wasn't it? Because she ends mm. up selling her laptop later for £400 to put in the collection tin, but she makes out to Nina that Deb was very, very generous and gave a massive amount, but she's just trying to, to get into to Nina's knickers. Mm. Apparently. And, and um, especially so because they're very well designed. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Does, does her own, doesn't she? Mm. There was a little funny scene with Toya in, um, in, the, uh, in the shop as well, wasn't there, where she's buying copious amounts of coffee for Imran, who's working day and night on this case to, to save Kelly, and it does give um, Asher a chance to have a bit of a go at Toya, saying, oh, he's defending a murderer. Was it Dev or Asher? Oh, yeah, no, it was. It was, it was uh, yeah, Asher through Dev, uh, criticising He's Toya a murderer. He's defending a murderer. Yes, Kelly. So anyway, um, well, she yeah, I don't I don't get it. She did as as far as we know so far, but I don't think they're gonna go with that. Anyway, um, so later on, Dev tells Asha that he's had a brainwave. We should start a GoFundMe, um, and she says that we've already spoken about this idea. Um, what what we uh, he he really wants to help, and and she says it's all right. I've got a load of money. I've sold my laptop, and he's like, hang on a minute, you've you've sold your laptop. And she's like, I bought it with my own money anyway, it's none of your business. And he says, look, are you just doing this because of Nina? Um, Yeah, you're just trying to get Nina to like you. And she says, oh, I just feel guilty. I I wasn't there for Nina when she needed me after Seb died and everything. And he's like, no, you need to tell Nina the truth about this. So um, she goes to the cafe at the end of the episode and she cannot bring herself to tell Nina what's going on um, because... Nina's all um she's just really chuffed with the fact that Seb must have been really popular if he's got so much money so far whereas as far as we know it's the only fun. donor has been <laughs> has been Asher and everyone else hated Seb they've forgotten about him already so Abby on Wednesday sees Ed and Nina and Asher put in this garden together and it is in the slot that's to the left of the builder's yard which does need some kind of redevelopment or something, doesn't it? Because that whole area that leads up to um, what used to be the gym is, it's quite a, a sizable space that's it's just not concrete, being used. But the thing is, I don't think that just because there's a bit of concrete means that you should just put a garden in there. I think it's access to the gym. Which isn't hasn't been used empty. anymore. I, I, it's a, it feels like it's about time that Coronation Street thought, what what should we do with this area? I don't know. I don't... But um, the thing that's baffling to me is that they're trying to build a garden on a concrete space and they're surprised when, in an area like Weatherfield, where, you know, and it's by a um, a tube stop, by a tram stop, sorry, people are coming and going. It's a fairly anonymous part of, of that area. And the, there's, you know, a bunch of scallywags often around. They thought that they could just put pots... And nobody would knock them over. <laughs> That's this is the most we- the weirdest thing to me. Like I like even here, this is a this is a pretty nice area. 
but I won't even put... I want to put bay trees At least it outside. stops the homeless people from crashing there, doesn't it, when they're oh, waiting yeah, for the soup co- kitchen to open every day. But yeah, I won't even put bay trees in a pot outside because I'm paranoid someone's going to mm. kick it over or steal it. Anyway, Abby sees this and, um, and Nina is completely blind to the fact that Abby doesn't like the look of it whatsoever. And Abby talks to Bernie in the cafe later about being sick of all the sympathy that she's getting. Um, she just She just wants... Yeah, she she literally just wants the per- people who did it to pay. She doesn't need well, this, a constant okay. reminder of of Seb and how sad it is and everything. So Nina's Nina wants closure through shared, uh, like a tribute, a shared tribute to Seb to make his life mean something. Because I think she's so young, she's thinking to herself, if I, you know, and it could have been her. What would my life have meant to the world if I was to die at this age? And and she's comforting herself by saying this permanent memorial to Seb shows that his life meant something and it's going to mean something for years and years to come. Abby wants closure through the people who did, who killed her son getting justice and being mm. sent to prison. And those are two different, completely different ways of coping with what happened. Yeah, and, and the it... other thing as well is that Nina is kind of embroiled in the the sort of the seeking of justice for Seb because she was the she was like the star witness. She's going to be the the person who's going to have to be on the stand telling everybody what she saw and what she didn't see. She didn't see what happened to Seb. She doesn't know. So if they don't get justice for Seb and the people they think that did it don't go to prison, it's kind of she's going to blame herself. It she's going to be the only person that could have done something or said something to make this a sort of open and shut case. So in a way, I think she's psychologically protecting herself from the possibility of failing Seb's memory by creating the space that she's in absolute control of. Nice. That's a nice bit of psychology you've done there. Yeah, but I, and obviously Abby doesn't have that focus. No, no. Good point. Mm. So Abby sees... Um, Ryan taking a selfie next to this <laughs> later He's on, which is a, weird. A flipping himbo, isn't he? He's like, yeah, this would be good for my presence. Like, because what people want from a DJ, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is RIP is Seb. Well, this could be my new album cover. <laughs> it's going to be called hashtag RIP Seb. Yeah, it's this massive um, picture of his face with a kind of orangey pinky background, and then hashtag RIP Seb at the bottom. It That's was so honestly tacky. the most. The most tragic summation of modern media, social media obsessed youth is like the hashtag R.I.P. Seb as the as like the headstone almost for, for him. Yeah, is this, what this, is this what the current youth are going to have? They're, they're no. going to have their headstones full of hashtags when they, <laughs> when they die. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, when you hashtag go... Hashtag loved. <laughs> hashtag blessed. Yeah, it <laughs> 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 Hashtag <I> YOLO. <laughs> and, he, and he did. Yeah, I did, and that was it. <laughs> now it's over. It was, I thought it was massively, massively tacky. I get how it could be seen as being sweet, but I didn't think that the picture was that great, to be honest. It, it is a bit of a chubby it was, it was a bit garish with the colours that were picked. I don't think it, I I don't don't think think it was Seb's style, that, no. but the hashtag was just awful. That's the sort of thing that you'd you know, look back on in five years' time and go... Oh, why did we do this? Can can somebody graffiti over a heart over this over this uh, hashtag or something? It's it's not as tasteful as the Maddie memorial. I was going to say Maddie's mural is much much more restrained. Yeah, and it's and it's hidden away down the ginnel as well. Don't need to think about it. 
It's where when characters have seen they go, oh yeah, Maddie. It's not Aww. as in your face as She's this. Dancing Maybe with this the is why Nina has thought that she, he should have it. It's like Maddie. She was only in the program for like two years or so. Yeah, Twice. so she's been in it for ages. Get he should, yeah. memorial. <laughs> Maxine's got a bench. Yeah. Um, anyway, Abby, Abby they didn't, Abby out didn't space like this. for memorials if they're not careful. I suppose they did get rid of Tina's for this one. Yeah. Who remembers the Tina? Nobody. <laughs> um, then we have a funny scene where Deb's trying to impress Nina by these tales of how he did street art in his uncle's shed back in his youth. Mm. Um, the larks he had. And then he accidentally lets it slip that this massive donation came from, um, Asher and not from him so Nina starts to think well why would Asher do this aha I think I know she goes off stomping down to Asher and says how how you lied where the money came from um you just want to cop off of me again don't you and Asher Asher's like doesn't I can't deny it (laughs) you got me fair cop yeah um cop off uh, uh, yeah and so um yeah Nina tells her to bog off basically and um, towards the end of the episode, we see Asha sulking in the dark in number seven. Um, Adi comes home from somewhere, doesn't he? And he, he has a bit of a chat with her about, I can't remember what, but she goes stomping off. Um, and it partly, although it doesn't really get picked up again, sets up the mystery of who destroyed the garden, which is what we have at the very end of the episode. Because um, Nina's there in the cafe doing her cartoons again. Roy notices that she what she's drawing is it was like a picture of her and a picture of Asher and in in their speech bubbles it's like a load of asterisks and and ampersands and and things like that not that they're swearing at each other Roy (laughs) says oh you're having a breakdown in communication but while that's going on we see this mystery assailant set into at the um at the garden smashing all the pots throwing dirt at Seb's face yeah um and and basically making a big old nuisance of themselves and I think at this point, we they probably we wanted had a discussion us. About they this. wanted us to think that it was Asher, probably because we'd just seen her stomping out, and it feels like more of a childish thing to do. And well, the, the Abby's um, disdain for the project was a, a little bit more low key dropped throughout the episode. When we when we finished watching it, you you thought it was Asher, and I thought it was Abby. I think no, I think uh, originally I said Asher, and then. It didn't take very much at all for me to think, oh, no, of course it must be Abby. Well, because we had... A, we, you said, why would Abby throw dirt on her son's face? And I said, she's not throwing it at, at Seb, she's throwing it at the picture. Because mm. in her mind, she separated them completely out. Yeah, yeah. But then there, there were quite a few theories online. I mean, some people wondered whether it was Corey back again, because he's, um, he's out at the moment, yeah. isn't he? Mm. Um, but no, rather than going down any of that, they, they revealed fairly early on that um, it's Abby. Well, I'm always they... surprised and refreshed when they go, yeah, it was me. I, I kind of I wanted it, it to be a episode. bit more of a mystery. No, I don't like, I wouldn't have, I preferred it. Because it's Roy that finds it first thing on Friday's episode. Um, oh yeah, Nina's there like doing the chalk doing menu. The... Yeah. And Roy goes up to do something and he says, oh Nina, you should come and look at this. It's like, what is it? A baby fox sleeping or a hedgehog or a bud, a new bud on one of the flowers? No, the whole thing's been trashed. But the way he was calling her over, he didn't mentally prepare her at all <laughs> for the fact that this shrine has been desecrated. I just thought it was odd that Nina didn't go over and have a little look at it before starting work. Or you know, yeah, I don't know whether I she could have seen it out the window. Over there. 
Yeah, like, I, I spent I'm all day yesterday putting this there. garden together. You're just going to go and have a look and pay my respects. See how Seb portraits do. But no, she just it's like, I've done that. That was yesterday's job. Who cares about board. that now? I've done it, finished it. Yeah, so um, Sally's in shock when she sees this. And then Abby comes uh, along and she can't get away quick enough. It seems at that point that it's fairly obvious that she's the one who did it. And um, back at Sally's house, Abby fesses up pretty quickly um, that it was her. So Asher comes over as well. She's shocked to see what happened. Nina's like, well, you, you, it was you. You did this, didn't you? Although very quickly, Asher's reaction shows that it definitely wasn't her. Mm. And Nina is fair play to her, quite apologetic mm. at jumping down her throat straight away and accusing her. Abby turns up in just in time to say, yeah, it was me. Don't like it. Um, we all grieve in different ways, blah, blah, blah. She says how um, this memorial is glamorising death. I think there's a phrase that she used. And Sally has to try and show Abby that Nina and co are just trying to cope with it in their own way. Um, also, maybe Seb would have wanted a reminder of how much a waste his death was and how we should all be better people. And this is going to help remind people never to be nasty to each other again. Um, and then later on, Asher and Nina are dismantling the garden um, because they've realised that Abby doesn't want it. And then, how lovely, Abby comes over and says, no, 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 keep it. But they have a compromise which means removing the picture. So this garden is staying. <laughs> it's much nicer without the picture. I think it is as well. It, I, 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 we haven't actually seen it properly yet, have we? We've no. only seen close-ups. And there's stained glass window panels and wood and everything's in pots because obviously it's concrete on the floor. And Abby brings a raspberry cane to plant. And Roy says, oh, plant it in that hole over there. And it's like, what hole are you... T- <laughs> what? Is there like a... If you're talking about a manhole cover, I don't think you should put dirt down it. it, it it's odd. I, I don't know how permanent it's going to be. It feels like it's maybe one of these things where they thought, oh, this could be good for a story, but then, oh, we've got to kind of keep it now. I think it's just and a nice it- place to go that isn't Victoria Gardens all the time, which is like an outdoor space, because I'm sure they'll put a bench in there. It's, it is odd, though, because the Victoria Gardens is already a bit of a little tribute area, isn't it? Yeah, but although I suppose in real life in it is because it's got the, I mean yeah. they've got the bench about the the Manchester bombing victims and it does have the plaque on, but I suppose yeah. it's not really been made out to be. It's not in a the show. Area did, in, the like, show. in the show that didn't happen. No, but it is also odd how they got all excited about this garden for said being somewhere that they could plant their broad beans and everything so when that, that that's what Victoria Gardens is used for, which is also pretty tiny for doing that. Um, Interestingly, very prominently but unmentioned on the show was um a red robin tree oh yes which is the the i'm pretty sure that this is the same tree <clears throat> that when the queen visited when was that back in july yeah. um the beginning of july she visited the set and she was presented by um the actresses who played ruby and hope with a little red robin tree which is a very it's sort of like um it looks like a laurel tree with bigger leaves than a, than a laurel. Very, very, it can grow very tall, but the, the point of them is that they have red tips, red leaves. Uh, twice a year it'll go red. <clears throat> We've got one in our garden. But they presented this to the Queen and the Queen presented it back. She's like, I've never, already had Are you absolutely sure, sure that the Queen did this? Because I remember. Let me read this to you, Michael, that from ITV.com. Very ungrateful. Young cast members, Macy Allaby, Ruby Dobbs, and Isabella Flanagan, Hope Stape, also presented a little red robin tree with robins known to be a sign of good fortune and luck. 
The tree was gifted back to the programme for planting in the Victoria Street garden in celebration of this very special visit. Oh, okay. So, there you go. <laughs> that is really ungrateful, isn't it? I it's don't not really ungra- like it. It's not ungrateful. They put. They would have known that this was going to be <laughs> given back. It's just ceremonial, <laughs> isn't it? It is ceremonial. It's very strange. But yeah, that must have been it. That must it have, must because it would have been, been back in July that this this was story was going on yeah. so they obviously like, did a little bit of a fib there in that press release because it wasn't in Victoria Gardens it's just imagine new... if the Queen had been like oh thank you that would look lovely in hey, the back garden at Buckingham Palace you know I've been looking for one of these <laughs> and Ray McLeod's like oh, uh, oh i got to go down to BQ to buy another one now it does actually, I, I think that that area does look a little bit like a, a little local branch of BQ, doesn't it because it's the builder's yard there <laughs> yeah. with all the tools and everything and, and then, then the right next to it yeah. Uh, yeah in pots and there's like a pile of like um, compost with a bunch of dads going oh god I've got to heft this back to the car <laughs> yeah it does exactly that, um, I enjoyed the, the call back to Jeff on the story yeah. Brian's there um, moaning planting his bean doesn't he say no, I can't remember what he says now, but yeah, he, he mentions Jeff. Can I so. just say, don't bother growing broad beans in this community garden because, especially if you're going to shell them twice, you're going to get about five out of a pot at the most. You need a massive bed to grow broad beans in. Grow tomatoes or cucumbers or <laughs> chard. Yeah. Or a nice cute courgette plant, and then everyone could be. Don't say charred. It's um, it's triggering to Alina, whose house has just been charred. <laughs> oh, they're just so charred, like my face. Um, yeah, I just I thought that the mystery of who defaced the garden could have, I think it felt like it could have been strung out a little bit more, because they, it really felt like that, I didn't mind it. I, I I was obvious that Nina was going to accuse Asher. But I thought that maybe she'd speak to Ardy and Ardy would be like, yeah, she did go out late last night. But none of that was mentioned, was it? It it made it made the scene a bit pointless and it was over no, very, very quickly. I, like, I thought it was good. I liked it. Mm. It wasn't too overblown. I am just a little bit disappointed in Abby that it was her, though. Although, sadly, it is in her character. Yeah, this is exactly it. It's, it is a depressing return to form from the person that we thought had put much of her antisocial behaviour behind her. And it just goes to show that, you know, she she is under a lot of stress and she obviously was not thinking and she lashed out. It's, it's very it's old not... Abby to do yeah, that. Yeah. It feels like she's matured a bit since then. But, you know... I want to know, what have... does Kevin have to say about this? He's probably join in with her. <laughs> yeah, trashing in. He, he does get a bit angry, doesn't he? Does oh Kev. my Any God. excuse for He'd kicking up it. a fuss about something. Um, I was a bit surprised as well that... Was I surprised? I don't know, that they brought back Asher's infatuation with Nina. It felt like it was kind of a little bit over. Yeah, it and did. It was maybe just a warm-up to the Nina and Seb story this year. But it, it, it does make sense that Asher's still harbouring these feelings for her. Yeah. yeah. She's not put it to bed. I was just... It kind of came out of the blue that it was brought up again so quickly. And it's still not over, is it? Nina's obviously got no intention of um, getting back together with Asha for the moment, although I'm sure she could be persuaded otherwise. Um, you, would you want to see them back together again? Do you think I, we'll get to see a proper reunion? I think we might do, but I just... It feels like one of these stories where... It it means more than the relationship itself. And this is the same thing that happened to Rana and Kate, where it, it's symbolic of so many things and important to people for different different reasons. 
and it, therefore it becomes a kind of a bit of a hot potato and you're scared perhaps to do anything with them as the couple or you or or you take the other approach which is what they did with Ronald and Kate and sort of bait everybody all the time mm. with them it was definitely too soon for Asha to try and well she didn't really try and make the moves did she, she? she's all she she's testing doing, the water a little bit it, maybe. I don't think it's fair to Asha to say that this is you know it was ulterior motive to to win her favor I think Asha was just genuinely trying to make Nina happy and she knew that if she sold her laptop... Yeah, it was, it was. I don't don't think think it was any more than that. I don't think she expected Nina to go, wow, look at all these petunias we've bought. Wow, this makes my pants wet. I mean, but before before the trial has even happened, where there has obviously not been any kind of closure on the whole matter, it's not really the best time. But then Asha is still very young and maybe she... She wouldn't think about that. I don't know, but also, I mean, soaps are, live on accelerated time scales, and I wouldn't imagine there's going to be an incredibly decent length of time before, if they want to put them together, they, oh, they yeah, will do. Oh, yeah, by the end of the year. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe it'll be a, a sexy Christmas. I mean, they can put some lovely fairy lights in that in that garden over Christmas. Yeah. And now it's been vandalised once, it won't, be, won't happen again, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Anyway, from um, talking of gardening, Daisy's. <laughs> Daisy Jane. Yeah. <clears throat> so on Monday, Ryan tells Daisy that there's going to be a top DJ at this gig. So that that's brilliant, because don't forget, they're going, they're going to a ski resort in, in the Alps August <laughs> to play music, because this is apparently what they do. Fine. Daisy says, let's go, let's get a speed dial together. Just, Ali will have to get used to seeing us together. So now everybody watching has seen that not only in the space where we haven't been watching did Shona run a man over, but also Ollie and Daisy, Ryan and Daisy have begun Ali and Daisy, now I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, this, they is, this is everyone dating. else's The last time complaints. we saw them together, Ryan was talking about this gig and, and, they weren't dating because she was kind of trying to invite herself. I can't really remember, but it was... Yeah, she she was saying, oh, I might tag along. Lots of people seemed... I don't know whether surprise is the right word, because some some of these things, it's like, oh, yeah, they're obviously going to go down that route. But, yeah, a little bit disappointed that we didn't see them getting together. And then other people were saying, no, I'm glad we were spared it. Um, it it I, I didn't remark on the fact. I mean, when people afterwards I saw online were commenting, I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't actually see them get together. But I just assumed it was so inevitable that I didn't even blink when they were a couple at the beginning of the episode. I'm really disappointed in Ryan because I, she's obviously a nasty bitch. They're cementing his... And he's just... It's, sh- it's showing how weak he is. Yes, that... his reputation is a sort of weak-willed, sort of blows with the wind kind of a person. yeah. So, um, yeah, Ollie's going to have to get used to it. So um, when they come in, Ollie and Yasmin obviously react and Ollie says to Yasmin, I'll handle it, don't you worry. And Daisy's rubbing it in about how great the relationship is and gloating. And um, and and she was like saying, oh yeah, we jumped into bed together. You know, just being really... She's being a very difficult customer. She is. So She's... everything she does, this is the thing, she'll never realise this probably herself. She does it for other people and that makes her pretty a pretty powerless and inconsequential person. But she thinks because she's getting under people's skins or manipulating them that she's winning. But actually, it's her that's losing out because she's not actually living her life. She's just, she's just trying to get a rise out of people. Yeah. Anyway, at the end of the day, at the end of the mill, sorry, um, Daisy's been a bit difficult and she and Ali have a bit of a spat 
And Alia stands up for herself pretty well. And Ryan just gets very awkward and leaves. Um, and Yasmin had to go to the dentist. And when she comes back, Alia updates her. And Yasmin says... Updates her. I thought Alia dates her. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yasmin says that Daisy is a two-faced cow, but she'll get through it. Well, Alia. Johnny comes into the Rovers. We haven't seen him for ages. No, it's been like six weeks since we've seen Johnny last. I yeah. thought they were phasing him out. They still kind of could be. Yeah, I know. But they have, yeah, they have a chat about the fact that he's going out with Daisy. I don't think Ryan that Johnny... Talks to him I don't think that Johnny actually did anything of any consequence in this week's coronation. He, he was hanging around the bar was a bit. He was trying to get Jenny to realise what Daisy's up to. So on Wednesday, Jenny's asking Ryan about a ski gig and um, <laughs> he tells her that he's he's in the 12 to 2 slot. And she's like, wow, that's like the best one, isn't it? When everyone's really raving. And he's like, well, no, it's from noon to 2pm, <laughs> which is the kiddie slot. And she's basically no, He's in at this him. winter wonderland Frozen, frozen yeah. forest thing. Yeah. So he has to tell Daisy what's going on. And she's completely outraged because she... She wanted to sort of... She wanted the status of being with, like, one of the stars so that she could lord it over everybody. And now it's apparent that she's, like, you know, with with the clown. <laughs> I don't know how he got this gig particularly because all his live streaming was about, you know, proper banging believe... dance music. But now they're saying, oh, no, you got to just go and play the birdie well, also... song in the time warp. I also can't believe that anybody thought, he thought, or Daisy... That off the back of a stream of like two thousand people watching him playing music and nodding, he was going to get a headlining gig at the in a ski resort. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Why would they give him any? Like, he's not famous at all. <laughs> I think this is perfectly acceptable slot. Well, it's for not him. like they're going to get Fat Boy Slim, is it? No, and if they did, they wouldn't put him in the kiddie tent. So it would have to be Ryan anyway. <laughs> so um, she says, "Oh, I'm just going to." Um, I'm just going to have to spend time in the disco tent by myself then. And <laughs> Ryan's like, well... Um... <laughs> he brings up this elaborate map, doesn't he? Yeah, the, it's uh, not the... the same place, actually. We're in a different town. You have to, to the... travel by sleigh to get from <laughs> yeah. uh, venue to venue. Now, if it was a husky drawn sleigh, I'd definitely do that. Cause I, can to- I can totally see um, Daisy done up with like this... Big uh, glossy lipstick and a and red a, red a, lips. Yeah, a, a, a hood, fur lined hood, and a cloak. Yeah, offering small children Turkish delights. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so she's fuming. Ryan tries to get this event organised to move a stop, but they're like, I don't even know who you are, so you're lucky to be even playing at all. Uh, he gives her some hotel tickets. He's booked for the middle of town. Hooray! But it turns out it's actually a hostel. <laughs> Daisy is not impressed at all. Alia comes in and Ryan makes it even worse by apologising for yesterday and Daisy's just seething and over all of this. She's just kind of realising that she's back the wrong horse here. Yeah. I don't know what she's... She only wanted Ryan because Alia had him. That's literally it. she, She was impressed by a couple of his online streams, but... But listen, she's a she's one of these women who bases their entire personality around whoever they're dating. So now that she's with Ryan, she absolutely loves DJing and thinks it's... Well, it's not even when she's dating, it's before she gets them. She's like, oh, yeah, so impressive. What amazing. I love DJing. I love all this music. I think she, and then, she likes Friday, the idea of being the VIP and going out yeah. to, you know, to, to swanky clubs and getting the free bar and maybe... Yeah, but she's also, like I said, she also changes everything she says and thinks depending on who she's trying to bag. So 
The next person in her sights is Daniel because she overhears the fact that Denise has gifted him... Daniel's mum. Yeah, her house. This this feels like a story that has been going on in the background that they just haven't shown on the TV, doesn't it? Because when Daniel was phoned up on Wednesday, he was like, oh, so the house is in my name now. So they're on and the, she goes, what, what, This is what? the end of the process. Mm. So for weeks now, when Daniel hasn't been on screen, because what was the last thing that Daniel did on this show? Anyone remember? Because I certainly it don't. It was thinking um, the child. He was teaching the child thing. Oh, yeah, he Sam. was. He was doing a bit of work with Sam, wasn't he? Uh, well, that's Don't been need to going do that on. anymore. Now he's going to be a landlord. What? Who's a landlord? He's going to rent the house out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so he... he we are to believe that a while ago, Denise, for whatever reason, has decided to bequeath this childhood home that Daniel grew up in and raised himself to him. Is it because he's she's feeling guilty about it or what? She, I don't. Well, she doesn't live there. He doesn't live there. Shame we didn't get a little cameo from Denise during this mm. because when I spoke to Denise Black last year, she she was definitely down for the idea of coming back to Coronation. Well, Street they use sometime. their budget on returning artists on Rachel. Everyone, get over it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he yeah he's got he's got this house now, but he's just gonna rent it out. He's gonna rent it out, but Days is um gets uh, gets the pound signs in her eyes, doesn't she? Wonder how much he's he's probably gonna get. You know, six eight hundred quid. Well, it's in the middle of the countryside, isn't it? It's got a, it's quite nice. Is it? I thought it was a semi secluded area. Is it? I thought they had a little garden. I in my head it's I thought out it was in the, the middle of a somewhere. Road. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't. I think it's you know it's fair to say he'd probably get. I don't know if you have to take out your insurance or whatever. It's obviously owned by Denise, so there's no mortgage to pay, but he'll have to, if he's going to not manage it himself, he'll have to pay a management company. I think I'm getting all the, all the, uh, that the houses of the era kind of, that, that were offset, just mixed up with each other, because there was that one, there was the little country cottage that Eva went and hid away in. Oh, yeah. There was uh, Phelan's house that he had oh, Andy yeah. in the basement of. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know which I don't know where it is. It is. I, I presume that Daniel does, though. On Friday, um, Daisy's just over this festival. She, but she's, um, as soon as she sees Daniel come in, she perks up and she's going, oh, yeah, I'm going to be going to this like amazing kids gig. I love children. Don't you have a child? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, can I see a picture? Oh, he looks so amazing. That was funny because so he got to see a picture of what Bertie looks like at the I moment. Know, he's like, he's grown up now, isn't oh, he? His little, little blonde haired angel. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'd love kids of my own. I want to have loads of them. I don't even mind if they're second hand. <laughs> <laughs> so they go on like a house on fire. She's supposed to be working, but she's just ensconced herself in a booth with him. And she's saying, oh, I love the impressionist. Oh, my favourite. I love Jason Pollock and all this I stuff. I don't know how she was able to get all this information did she go home on uh, between wednesday and friday's episode and do a bit of research this is what i said she she felt quite um like she knew what she was talking about and she doesn't seem like to me the sort of person that would be able to just name drop her it did seem a bit out of her wheelhouse but we assumed that when she said to ryan oh yeah i love all the you know music whatever that she was actually being genuine then and she obviously wasn't either Mm. she doesn't have her own personality it's really annoying when people do this as well. Like when sometimes you, you, you have friends like this where they start off and they're like one one way and then they start dating and they suddenly completely change everything they like and say. So anyway, um, she's talking about how much she loves all the things that Daniel likes. And he says, oh, 
but they start talking about getting a, a bottle of Chardonnay and she goes off to get one and Jenny sees her with the ice bucket and like what are you up to it's like oh just having a, a drink with him as a friend um it's all perfectly innocent Johnny's going Johnny's saying to Jenny look at this look what she's like because he obviously hates her because he kind of blames a lot of what's happened between him and Jenny yeah. on her getting involved. Jenny's almost removes the blinkers uh, today's episode, doesn't well, she? kind of watches but... like, hang on, just a minute. What's going on here? Um, Daisy's flirting and, and Daniel kind of points out that she's already got a boyfriend. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm just trying. It's like a pair of trainers that I'm trying on for size. <laughs> and um they're flirting and laughing and ryan comes back before she expected him to and you know everything has to stop so that she can pretend to be a nice person yes um so daisy and daniel then eh Mm. um i I just i would hope that daniel might be intelligent enough to not see what's going on but then he's not exactly um well versed in the ways of women He's not had lots of girlfriends. He's he had also likes to Sinead. compliment. He's Ken's son, after all. Yeah. He's a womaniser, really. He's a womaniser that's not got a whole lot of experience. He, he's only young, give him time. He, he had Sinead he's not for a bit. He, like he, Hardy. He, he chatted with, um, what's her face? What was her name, the w- woman that he was? Oh, yeah. Nikki, was it? The, the Lady of the Night. Yeah, who we got to dress up as Sinead. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, may, may... yeah, watch out. If, she, if Daisy suddenly starts wearing. Um, dungarees and pinafore dresses. Yeah, you know that she's completely <laughs> glommed on. Um, so maybe he, maybe he is just supposed to be a little bit, a little bit naive. I on can't this. think of a better person for him actually, because he just wants Sinead, a Sinead surrogate, and she seems to be perfectly happy to completely change her personality and likes and dislikes. She just has to start saying, "Oh, I love soap. <laughs> I want to make a candle." Um. Anyway, what, what, <laughs> any any thoughts or opinions on this story? <laughs> I, Glad that Daniel's been I brought into it. People really hate Daisy, but I can't dislike the chaos that she brings with her, and I'm really enjoying watching her become a man eater. And I, I just really okay. want to know how many men is she going to get through on the street? Like, who is she? Where is she going to set her sights? Because I, I honestly I don't think that Daniel will be the end of it. Once she gets Daniel and he, she realises that he's not going to spend his rent money that he's getting on her and, and dresses and shoes, but rather putting money into Bertie's college fund or whatever, she'll move on to somebody else. But who? And how old and young is she going to go? I didn't, I didn't think that she was trying to get their hands on the rent. I think that she's going to try and persuade him to sell the house. Well, either way. And then either way, she's she's going to have access to a man who's got a steady income of whatever the rent money is going to be, or she's got access to a man who's going to potentially have you know two hundred grand or and mm. I don't know how much this house. I can't remember this house is. Yeah, I can't remember when Ryan's supposed to be going off to this gig. Do you think he's just going to go off and then that's when she's going to properly pounce on Daniel? What by himself and she won't go? Yeah, or, or... she hasn't said that she's not going yet. No, no, that's true. She she certainly made it clear that she's not at all into the idea of going now. Maybe <laughs> why? It's maybe so she strange. will just split up with him. She she seems like the sort that would just dump him out of nowhere. Yeah. She doesn't need to nope. to soften things up. She just like I love say, this. yeah, I'm over you now, Ryan. And I know that there's been loads of man eaters and minxes on Coronation Street, but I don't think anyone's ever been as blatant as this. Mm. Yet Jenny still can't see nope. what a nasty cow she is. Nope. Why why doesn't she just? It's, it's, it's still guilt over over 
not being there for Daisy when she was little or something. I don't know. I I I think it's I think it's just supposed to be a slightly humorous that she's blind mm. to Daisy's evil conniving ways. I wonder speaking of um, abandonment as a child, I wonder whether that's going to be another common issue that David uh, sorry that Daniel and Daisy share because he's like, "Oh, my mum abandoned me when I was little." And she's like, "Oh yeah, my dad doesn't speak to me now." And mm. and Jenny was the closest thing I had to her mum when I was growing up and then she abandoned me as well. So maybe Maybe that's how she tries to, to get her claws into him. Hmm. Um, I, I, I feel, I feel bad for Ryan. He, he was a, he was an idiot for leaving Alia, really. So he kind of deserves what's coming to him. But I can't help feel guilty. I feel feel bad for the stupid puppy that he is. Oh yeah, that's a good, good description. Mm. Um, okay, so just that, that about it. The minor story for the week and then even more minor was this bistro buyout uh, which we did get to see it some of debbie i thought it was great that we saw daniel again it's been a very long time since daniel's had something important to do so i'm hoping that this is a build-up to him returning but also debbie i was just going to say something about um quickly about daisy and her motivations I, i know somebody who is are kind of similar to Daisy in that they're very chameleon-like, change completely everything that they think and do and say and will become like the person very passionately, even more lo- even more passionate about the things that the person likes than they are themselves almost in, in an effort to get approval and bounces from person to person to person. And I wonder whether it's to do with the background because this person I'm thinking of in my life had a very tumultuous upbringing parents weren't really always there for various reasons and especially a father figure was absent and I wonder whether Daisy's like a similar kind of person to that where because her dad was you know has moved on to to another family and maybe the trauma of the death of her her brother because she would have been fairly young also when when this her brother died it must have been her younger brother and and then to see the chaos that caused and perhaps the dad detached emotionally from the family and didn't want to engage with them. And you can see Daisy perhaps then searching for, not not necessarily a surrogate father figure, but approval from a man in any way that she can get because she never had it as a child. That sounds very good. I think that it feels like <laughs> you're giving more character development <laughs> to Daisy than Coronation Street are willing to well, do themselves. Well, how about this? Corey, that's for free. From <laughs> me, you can have that if you like. Okay, so back to the bistro then. Sorry. So That's all right. Debbie is struggling at the bistro. Um, she's she's been saying that we've done kind of all right during the pandemic, but Deanne and Nick can see that she's she's not finding it very easy. I don't there. think it's not just it's not just the sort of the, the social conditions of running a business during a pandemic, but also. Debbie doesn't strike me as a person who naturally wants to be in the hospitality trade. She was a property developer before yeah. this. There's nothing about her. I mean. There are some transferable skills, but certainly not customer service mm. being one of them. So. I kind of lose track of what Debbie owns now. Like, is, she, is, is the <laughs> hotel like, still hers? So she's I think it Monopoly. is, isn't it? Yeah, it is hers. Because she, she had the wedding venue for... Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So she, she's struggling a bit. Uh, and meanwhile, Nian and Nick, who have both um, jacked in their jobs, have been doing a load of courses and stuff. Romantic things, finding like it... making chocolate from, from that gift voucher that Toya... Yeah, them. that kind of thing. And she thing. wanted to go, but they just went without her, probably. See, having having been uh, catching up on the ITV3 classic Coronation Streets, I thought that there should have been a bit of a call-out to the next time as a as a life model. 
Yeah. He, yeah. Missed that and chance. And they could have gone for a life drawing class and he could have critiqued the poses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was a life model, I had better I was apps. hunkier than that, yeah. <laughs> um, so Nick admits to Toya that he's not really enjoying all of this. Um, and, and he wants a job. Yeah, he wants to go back to the factory again. I can't relate. No. Um, and then she's she engineers this situation, which is total soap cliche, where he's there in the pub and then Nian comes to the pub because she's been held by Toya and Toya's like, oh, look, we're both together. You can talk about your issues that you've got. And how you both hate courses. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Leanne has also told Toya early on in the episode that she's not enjoying them as well. Well, they so, both are saying, I'm doing it for the other person because they seem to like it. Yeah. So they've both been pretending. So Leanne hints that she has got something else in mind that they can do, which is buying Swinging. the bistro. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> um, Wednesday's episode, they go along to the bistro. Um, De- Debbie's <laughs> like, I'm getting any specials today. Every- everything's special on the moment. I, I, like thought, I thought that she, she didn't have a whole lot to do, Sue Devaney, this week. But She's she, great. She was great with what she She's was doing. She's a bit given. of a scene stealer, scene stealer, isn't she? Yeah. And, um, and when, um, when they ask what the fish of the day is or something she says um oh it's a tasty fishy kind of fish she's she's clearly got no idea what's going on and um leanne's like right nick i think we should uh, put in an offer here um he's like i think it's going to be a lot of hard work but she's keen now both of them have had a long history with owning this establishment and like leanne's together i can't remember they've uh, they've been uh, so she passing in the night she was owning it with peter I've and it lost was the, track. And then that's when it fell on Ashley's head. I don't remember. <laughs> honestly, she, she's had a couple of stints. Uh, Nick's obviously had it because it was Nick's bistro mm-hmm. at one point, wasn't yeah. it? And Robert um, was the chef. Yeah, I said, I, I don't know anyway. But they're both um, more than qualified to run this should they want to go down this route, which they do. And um, Nick... Nick's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna write down the price on a bit of paper and pass it to her. So it's just like, which is what you always say that they always, they always used to do used on Coronation Street. Anyway. I think it was a bit meta, wasn't it? It he, was a little bit. He folds it up and puts it in the menu. Yeah, and then um, she sorry, doesn't notice it. Oh no, she's no sorry, she does notice it, but she says to him, Yeah, this is a this is a laughable offer. She said I, I thought it was a joke, so I threw it away. Yeah. Um, but she says, oh, look, maybe you're interested in a 50-50 partnership here. And then she's like, I believe this is how you prefer to do your transactions. And she slides the <laughs> amount back to him. I thought this was so funny. And Leanne's like, no way, this is far too low. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going for this. Well, there's plenty of other businesses that are going to want to take my money. And so if you want it, and then she kind of clops she off. She off. Yeah, but, but, but in, a, in a fun way. It wasn't like a rah-rah-rah sort of way. She goes, I think they go out into the, like, to the, the coat hanging bit, the, mm. the entrance hall of the bistro, and she's like, oh, I'm quite enjoying this. It was sort of a, um, yeah, like a kind of a play acting of being like yeah. the, the. Yeah, the she's, big she's man. up for a haggle with Yeah, Debbie. that's right. So, um, what, what would you think about them being back at the bistro again? It feels to me like the. Like Lick in the Anne kind of feel to me like they just should just belong together and stay together. It's not like I love them or they're my favourite couple or anything, but if the world they feels work. right mm. when they're together, it kind of feels the same with the bistro. I certainly didn't enjoy Nick running the factory with Sarah. Um, and, and Leanne's been a bit of a loose cannon for a while now. She's, she's not had much to do, has she? No. So... It feels like a, an obvious move from the showrunners to put them back. And it's I, fine. Yeah, and some people I've seen complaining, saying, oh, it's just going round and round, here we go again. Yeah. But if it works, it works. Uh, the thing is, 
I was thinking initially, oh no, I don't want this to happen because I really like Debbie and I want Debbie to, to have a prominent role in the show and and uh, her being in the bistro it fulfills that. But then I thought, it doesn't actually, does it? Because she doesn't have anyone to play off. No, she doesn't. So if Nick and Leanne became 50-50 owners with her, I can actually see far more opportunities for her to be in the show and having conflict with them about... She's had surprisingly little to do yeah. since the beginning of the year. Yeah, Again, so this when, could when actually t- be a good move to get her in the show more because she's going to have somebody to spark off of. It used to be that the Bistro was never out of the show. Yeah. But yeah, that was when there were more characters Well, it was also when the pandemic there. was really in swing and it seemed a bit odd to mm. have so many formal dinners. But we've seen so little of her that, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to have more Debbie because it's yeah. like they extended her contract. It felt like they didn't need to keep her in the show after the 60th anniversary, but they did. But then they didn't know I'm what to do with did. her. Um and I'm sure they'll clash and there'll be fireworks. Like I said, she lights up the screen about... when she's in it. I think she's fabulous. I enjoy yeah. her. I think she's a great actress. She's so charismatic. And the character of Debbie, I really like her cutthroat, laissez-faire attitude. She reminds me of golden era Carla. She's she's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the story would be other than... They, oh, don't they, they don't agree. <laughs> oh, what's the special of the day? Swordfish? No, sea bass. But maybe if oh, we can't get on. Debbie still hasn't properly had a story of her own, and maybe no. this is a chance to get one. And like you say, Nick and Leanne are just there to play off. I, Who knows? No, yeah, I'm optimistic. Mm, yeah, I'm quite optimistic about it. Um, you, you, but you're not you're not bothered about the fact that Nick and Leanne are going back there again, and it I feels like, like retreading old ground. I'd rather they had something to do that isn't crying. About a baby. It was nice to see Leanne with a bit of a cheeky grin on her face, mm. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and be- being business partners, again, it gives... it gives What it does is it gives couples um, an opportunity to have conflict with one another that isn't romantically based. Yes, yeah, like, oh, they're going to split up again. Yeah, they're not going to split up because she wants to buy cutlery that has a blunt base and he wants a rounded one, mm. are they? But they will argue about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's more interesting. Yeah. So, um, that is everything that happened on Corrie this week. It is time for the scores, the scores and the character of the week. Oh, God. Um, I am thinking... Oh, I don't know. Mm. I'm kind of thinking probably Evelyn again for the character of the week, just because like, what I was talking about earlier about how she was incredibly supportive and sympathetic of everyone. And, and despite the fact that the whole of number... <laughs> uh, where are they? Number nine was collapsing. Everyone hated each other. She was being very neutral and supportive and giving everybody exactly what they needed. It's very difficult to support all parties in an argument without seeming like a sellout. She didn't feel two-faced or anything. No, she wasn't lying to anybody about them, about what they were doing and kind of validating them and then going back and slagging them off to somebody else. She just literally supported everybody in whatever they were doing without enabling them either, which mm. is really a really well-crafted and well-acted character I, I enjoy it but i don't want to give it to her i want to give it to um todd oh this week. okay how come i don't know it wasn't a great story but i just like todd being manipulative i like i thought he was lots of fun when he was it, like even though he should know better by now yeah. he was still like doing his blackmailing and and he's totally showing billy up as well Oh, yeah, yeah, he was then. I was just thinking more about what he was doing with David and Shona when he was only got his feet yeah. right under the table within minutes of moving into to number eight there. I thought it was quite funny. They, they, they were both pretty good this week. But on the whole, I thought it was just another uh, sort of an okay week. I'm, I'm giving it um, I'm giving it 
uh, three bags of dog poo on Tyrone's suitcase out of five, which is what Evelyn did at the beginning of the week. That, that was, I think that was one of my favourite Evelyn moments of the week, where she's out there walking with Cerberus and she just dumps this turd in a bag on Tyrone's, on Tyrone's case. Yeah. Just for the larks. Uh, I'm going to give it three and a half senior knicker floggers. Oh, yeah, this is what Toya's... Uh... Was it this week where, um, where there was that odd scene with Kurt calling Toya Miss? Was that this week or was that the week before? I think it was this week. I don't that know. It's weird. Yeah. It was odd. I don't know what's going Not on Not buying it. No. What, Toya being a boss or Kirk how to Anybody. Anything. Mm. But it was fine. It was an okay week. I, I, I wish that it was better than fine. It'll do. It, it'll do. I just want there to be more than it'll do. I just feel like I've just been so bloody down on the programme I thought it was good. I, I, okay, maybe I want to change my score and make it a four if you're going to be like... A, no, I, what, from a three... Did you, were you give, a three and a half, you I gave it. You three and a half, did it? I really liked the way it started. I don't get the, the criticism. I don't think we need to see everything that happens. I understand people wanted to watch a car crash, but... It wouldn't have been good. I'm mm. just going to point this out. I think it, it wouldn't been. have been that good. It would have been a night scene. It's they're difficult to film. Uh, that you can't always see everything that's going on. Um, I preferred it to be a bit intriguing and mysterious. We don't actually know what happened with Shona and what what she got up to. I thought that I really liked um, the twist with the. Um, with Hope and, and Fizz coming back and then Fizz getting arrested, I thought that the the mini mystery of who vandalised the garden, I know you thought that it was over too quickly. I didn't mind that. I don't need everything to be a five-month-long story that never gets resolved, like who stole the report or whatever. <laughs> I really am enjoying Daisy being a man-eater, a proper, unrelenting machine that just chomps up men and turns them into big piles of poo. Um, and I'm intrigued to see where it's going to go with um, the bistro. Uh, so, four. Uh, How about I, that? I, you go In for four face. if you want to. I, I just... There, there's very little on Curry this year that's making me go, oh, yeah, that was brilliant. Oh, that was amazing. Oh, I'm so invested and I'm so excited. I can't wait to find out by this. Whereas usually by this time of the year... There's something. Even though the biggest stories have been the, the Fizz and Tyrone affair, I've been enjoying, but it's not been like a brilliant, brilliant I get brilliant. what you're saying. And There's the same no with the Nina and Seb. It was great for that two weeks after it happened, but then it's gone off the boil for a bit. There's... there's n- what Normally around I'm this not... time of year, we're it's kind of getting to the stage where we know what the big Christmas story is going to be because we can see... Yeah, the early signs. I'm... I'm, you know, this isn't a completely uneducated stab in the dark here. I'm going to say it's probably going to be the Nina, um, Corey, Seb murder. Trial. That's obviously going to be happening coming and up. And the fallout. In, in the autumn, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm looking forward to that. It just feels like it, if there isn't another big story that hasn't been announced yet, it's going to feel like we're going to get to the end of 2021 and we'll go, is that it then? Yeah. And I don't know who's to blame for well, this, whether it's is, a post-fit 60th probably... anniversary, whether it's an Ian McLeod's running out of ideas, whether well, it's, it's COVID restrictions. That. It's probably like, you know, you fight, you fight, you fight to get your way through the pandemic and all the restrictions, and but then you've kind of forgotten that you need something beyond that. And who can say and blame anybody for being in that situation? Because I think we all are. I think we're all going, what now? Mm. 
you know, and it's easy to say, oh, we should have, you know, and who knows what they've got planned and up their sleeves. But I think a lull this time of the year, given what we know has happened and where we are in the world, very forgivable. It's not and it is, just this it is time also of year, summer. Though. It's also summer and, and lots of people aren't watching TV. I know, I totally get that. But I'm just saying since the start of 2021, it feels like that we've been in this lull for me. And every time I sit down to watch Coronation Street, I, it's not like I'm going, oh, okay, another rubbish episode. I'm like, it may, maybe, maybe this one's really, really going to be great. And occasionally there will be some brilliant episodes. Like last week's Friday episode, you know, a week and a bit ago, watch that and go, yeah, that was good. But it just feels like those episodes are a little bit few and far between at the moment. And I, in my head, I just, I, I just don't know whether I was spoiled by the Pat Phelan saga because I just keep going back to that and thinking... That that was the days when we were so, so excited to sit down and watch it and we couldn't wait to find out what was happening next and we were full of theories and, and, and it was twists and, and it was amazing. And I, I don't know... Well, I want to feel like that about Curry again. I think I need to go on... I think some of the spoilers that I'm seeing uh, um, are ruining it a little bit for me and it's not like I'm going out to seeing these spoilers. I'm going online, social media, whatever, and I'm noticing things. Like, would I have... Would I have got more into it this week if I hadn't known that Todd was going to get hit by a car I think I probably even knew that Fizz was going to confess to setting the fire I just need a little bit less surprise and maybe that's what I need to get into it a bit more because Honestly, you're not get, you're not you reading need to this take aren't you? another social media break why are, I know, you, I what think, are you reading I think I do I you think can I post another... without you can post without reading. I don't. But it's get also it. it's also when I'm searching for the news and everything. Oh yeah, the news section. I might, maybe I need to employ. Um, well, we don't need to. We don't me. need to employ. You know, enforce people and feel guilty if they don't have time. Not everybody mm. can, but we don't need to have a news section. Yeah, yeah, do do. And uh, because there's so much news going on, or maybe not, because there's only a little bit this week. Anyway, that's enough of me moaning. I'm sorry about that, everybody. Um, not you're not you're not going to be the only one that thinks like that, and I totally understand what you're saying. It feels like. Back in the day, there used to be a skeleton upon which the meat hung of Coronation Street. And the skeleton was like, the structure that, that gave you like meaning to everything else. And that was the Pat Phelan story. And before then, we had the sort of the Platt saga. Yeah, and it, it was. And it felt, and the, it feels like there's always, there was always a big thing brewing. And well, this last year, year, we had the Yasmin story that was mm, keeping it going. Keeping but this the year, I turning. think it's supposed to be the Seb story. But unfortunately for some reason, it doesn't feel as prominent or urgent and important as the other stories that have, you know, hung everything else upon them have been. Mm. It just feels like a bit kind of bitty. Yeah. The the Tyrone and Fizz and Alina story has been the biggest story of the year, but it doesn't feel big enough. But, you know, back in the day, you could have said, right, this is the A story of the year, this is the B story of the year, and then there are a few kind of minor ones and then some very, very tiny ones. Whereas this one, it's like, I don't even know which one's the main story of the year. Is it Seb or is it Alina and Tyrone? Don't know. Mm. don't know yet it should be more obvious unless this is and then everything else seems to be a c story and they've probably skipped the b's yeah i don't know if this is a deliberate kind of approach to see is this actually a better way of doing it and for some people it might well be but we're not not necessarily for us is it Mm. not working so well as it has done in the past no but i'm 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 not I'm not you know giving up or anything, and I'm, I'm other, definitely going into every episode thinking in, this could be good. Yeah. The other problem is if you're if you're hanging almost everything off of a sensational A story that dominates the year, 
what do you do with the viewers that are alienated and don't enjoy it? Like, Coronation Street did alienate a lot of people that did not enjoy the Pat Finn Oh, I know, totally, all. totally. And is that still something they can look and go, yeah, we're still seeing that people aren't, haven't come back from mm, that? I don't know. I don't know. You, you risk everything, put all your eggs in one basket. Mm. Anyway... That's anyway. enough of that. We've got a little bit of news, so let's have a, a brief stop over at the cabin. Okay. Um, right now. Right. So after all that, we haven't actually got very much news to talk about today, have we? There was no. a... <laughs> one of them is some Strictly Come Dancing news, because so... it's this time of year again, and the celebs are coming out to see who's going to be pirouetting on the ballroom floor for... Um, not Bruce Forsyth, whoever it is that's in charge of it. So you're basically saying to me that you ruined your Coronation Street viewing experience for the next week or so because you found out the most important thing, which is that Katie McGlynn... Katie McGlynn's doing Strictly, Strictly this year. How exciting if you like Strictly Come Dancing. I wonder what our overseas listeners think of these shows because I don't suppose they get to see them and they must realise they're not missing out. <laughs> so, no, we're, we're the ones. We're, we're in the minority for not finding these kind of shows exciting. We do watch a little bit of Dancing on Ice occasionally if there's a Corey person on, but we've never, ever sat and watched a Corey person on Strictly, have we? No. I don't, it's it's not, not our let's bag. Let's not couple over it. No, Kate McGlynn, go Katie. She's got a quote and everything. She says, it's been so hard keeping it secret, but I can finally say that I'm getting ready to shake my shimmy and become part of the Strictly family. I'm really not a dancer, but I'm so excited to learn a new skill on this crazy journey and cannot wait to slip into some sequins along the way. Although I do have so much fun as an actress, a lot of my roles have involved quite serious and challenging storylines. So I'm fully ready to let my hair down and do something different even if it's completely outside of my comfort zone I can't promise that I'll be the best but I'm going to give it 110% on the dance floor as long as I don't fall over I'll be happy Good. she sounds very excited about this she's still doing our holly oaks at the same time because she's in that at the moment Okay. Um, yes don't fall over and I'll tell you what might we've got to make sure that isn't on the dance floor because this kind of thing being on the dance floor is you know makes you slip over Ice. Sup. Oh. <laughs> Sup on the dance Sup. floor. Good old Katie McGlynn. Good luck, Katie. Yeah, good luck. Um, really we'll can't bring out. myself to say anything more than that, but I hope that if you are listening to this and you enjoy um, Strictly, you'll be chanting her on for us. Yeah. Um, and th- that's it for news, really. But there was a, um, this probably feels like a good time to talk about the other soap programme that we watched this week because in our, in our prolonged intro, it didn't fit into what we were Not saying. Really. So this was on um, Sunday night. Was, no, was it Sunday night? Yes, it yeah. was. Sunday night. This is the first day that we were in London. <sighs> um, um, Exhausted. We just watched a whole load of TV on Sunday night. We watched the director's cut of Midsummer, and that's nothing <laughs> to do with Coronation Street, but I do like that film. But it's I'll tell good you what, extended I would, version. I would love to see an, an episode in the style of Midsummer. Yes. Um, <laughs> Even longer. Get Ari Aster in to do an episode of Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Even longer than the two and a half hour director's cut of Midsummer was when soap stars go horribly wrong on yep. Channel 5. We didn't realise when we started no. watching it at 10 o'clock in the evening that it would be still going until one o'clock, one o'clock in, the in the morning. But we sat down and thought this could be quite fun. <laughs> And it was all right. It was okay. And considering that we only watch one of the soaps and yeah. all the other ones that they were talking about, we didn't really know like, who they care. were. There were actually some quite funny stories. Don't know who that um, is. How would you describe this programme, Gemma? What was when soap stars go horribly wrong? A series of um, jolly anecdotes in which soap stars get chopped their own heads open um, or get 
caught giving a blowjob in a car. Oh, yeah. And deny it, or... What else did they get up to? Say well, the wrong word. Say the wrong name. Oh yeah, the, the, they like, made the live such act. a big deal about the the live week of of EastEnders where one of the actresses says called, "How's Adam?" Yeah, and it throws the the scene off slightly. So it was basic. It wasn't really a so, it wasn't a soap blooper program, was it? It no. was what kind of things what have the soap wrong? stars been getting up to behind the scenes that maybe they would wish hadn't happened? So Coronation Street wise, um, who did we even get? There was um, there was. Was, um... There was a bit where Pat Phoenix gets bonked on the edge. Oh yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we? Before they showed yeah. it, they, yeah, Pat Phoenix and she gets bonked him a by the camera. That's no, they had uh, they had Bruce Jones, didn't they? Talking about all the uh, well, the reason why he had to leave Corey and how things haven't Very been tragic. quite so good for him since then. It was so sad, and it, it was but... really funny, and it was it was poignant and sad and tragic. He was talking about his horrible experiences and how he's battled against you know his demons and now he's he he thinks he's making a return and he's very optimistic about the future but you know it was very hard to watch him sort it's of be always upset. hard to watch Bruce then, Jones talking about these things because he is really, really upset by them yeah but then the next one was somebody else getting in trouble and he was and then he became a talking head and he was like ha ah, that was so funny <laughs> <laughs> and he was like perfectly happy to laugh at somebody oh, yeah, else because they had watching. one of the other curry ones was Vicky Entwistle being um Bjork on yes. It's Alright and I was like oh yeah. What's the programme called? I stars in their eyes. Know. She was on Celebrity Stars in their eyes, wasn't she? And she was really, really good, but she falls over she's in the middle fantastic. of the performance. Yeah, um, she's, so and then the end, then he laughed at her, that, didn't he? That he was, was like, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. They like also Bruce. had um, Chris Fountain. Yeah, his, um, his, his birthday um, surprise. Uh, yeah. So some people I saw um, online hadn't heard about yeah. this and they were very, very, very shocked. It, it was like mega shocking when that it happened. Was. That was in the first year or two of the podcast, wasn't yeah. it? That that all came out. But um, his reason for his hasty dismissal. Um, who else did they have? There must have been others. Um, but I, I mean, the thing is, there's so much that they could have done just for Coronation Street. They didn't talk... Uh, I mean, for example... what. We we were talking about just recently with the fortieth anniversary. They could have talked about John Savadin being stabbed like just before they yeah. had to do a live episode, and they didn't talk about that. Yeah, there was nothing with um, Peter Adamson. There was nothing about any of the accusations that um, had been thrown against some of the actors. I won't go into it, but you know they they were sort no. Of not it had to be enough to be entertaining. Well, there were some serious ones and some sort of more frivolous ones. Yeah. I mean, the funniest one was because we didn't know anything about this. I can't remember I what the soap was. I, I think if I'm still thinking of the same one as I am, this is Hollyoaks. Hollyoaks, and he was, and he he kind of let it slip. On... There's, there's an actor that went on this morning yeah, or the rain or something. With, no, it was with Holly and. Oh, for, was it a Phil? Phil Philip Schofield to, to promote my this. Enemy. And he was talking about a mystery to do with who killed somebody. And he, like, let it slip that he's like, oh, she was such a great actress. Like, in the final scene when I was, oh, no, I said too much. He kind oh of my lets God. it slip that he, his he character murders yeah. this other character. And he was devastated. And everyone was talking, like, oh, they were talking heads going, oh, we were of like his colleagues saying, oh, no, it's a sackable offence. He's going to get in trouble. What's going what's gonna to happen? And then... As as they sort of, and the actor who did it was there and he was saying like oh I couldn't believe it oh it's really awful and then it, it was revealed that it was all a ruse and he actually he, pretended he leaked to misinformation yeah. and accidentally I was like, it was honestly, really good that was the best soap performance I've seen <laughs> in anything ever he was fantastic in Tending that he's that being he'd... wasted on Hollyoaks <laughs> um, he should have got a BAFTA for that honestly it was I couldn't believe it that that wasn't 
he was perfect. So they had a couple of um, ex-Cory people as... I didn't know they could act. I know. <laughs> they had a couple of ex-Cory people as talking heads. Bruce Jones, you've already uh-huh. said. But they also had Chris Quinton, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. That fly me, where'd they get Brian him out Hillsley. from? Yeah. Um, again, they, they didn't They didn't talk about the him. The Python. Uh, they did have Sam, didn't they? Yeah. 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 Um, they didn't really explain who he, who he was, though. No. There were quite a few people. Well, they all just had what soaps they'd been in. They didn't have any of the character names, so... Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people watching it weren't going, who is that? Mm. I don't want to be rude, but I wouldn't <laughs> have known who he was and, like till last year. No, no, until we watched him. Yeah, Chris Quinton, they didn't mention about his um, going out with a stripper or something or owning a strip club, did they? But no. Anyway, it was, it was quite... It, Maybe it was, some of them were like, I'll come on the show, but... You're not allowed to say what I did. It was it was quite and fun. Then the, and then the producer's like, God, we've got Chris Quinton. Better not, better not bring all that stuff up. <laughs> Despite it going a little longer than it needed to, I did enjoy it. It really and did not need it to It made be me feel long. all Christmassy because these yeah. epic three-hour Channel 5 programmes are the sort of thing they put on like, in the gap between Christmas and New Year each year, like top 100 shocking celebrity moments yeah, of the year and uh, and all that. And we do always sit and watch them. We, yeah, we often like eat them out over a yeah. few days or it's something. Fun. But we just, yeah. Anyway. It's... Um, one thing I didn't really need was watching a clip played like about five times of that poor girl who cut her head open on With her ice Dancing skate. on Ice. And we had, we had to watch that clip literally five times in a row Sometimes there was it was slowed down with hilarious sound effects like boing, <laughs> and then about five people saying, "Sure, yeah," and then and then she did a kick and then cuts to someone else, yeah, and, and her ice skate went right up in the air and then cuts to someone else, and it came down on her head, and then someone else saying, "Yeah, she cut her head open on the ice," <laughs> and then cuts to someone else. Can you believe? That we actually got to see her cut her head open on the ice. And I'm thinking, no, because I didn't get to see it. Didn't show the blood, did they? Literally, didn't show the brain inside. The person, it was set, Jennifer, I can't remember who it was. Literally, she was the one narrating the whole show and she couldn't bring in some pictures for me to see of her head sliced <laughs> open. It's past 10 o'clock, I want to see blood. It's Channel 5 as well, they show everything there. There was no blood at all. <laughs> I would say, if you're in the UK and you like this kind of programme, yeah. it's well worth watching. It'll be on the um, it's three Channel hours. 5 on demand thingy for a while it's three hours of pure you might have to search for when tv goes horribly wrong because i think that was like the series i think there's a, right. a series of them and this week was dedicated to soap stars but um i'm glad i'm glad we we sat and watched it i really can't believe how much people go on as and on about this as it was. thing though like you literally said the wrong name and that's it <laughs> well cory's never so made what? a slip up in well the we watched episode. you know when we watched windsor's endgame yes um well, somebody said the wrong name but yeah, it didn't matter it didn't and and the actress who played Kate her <laughs> dress was unzipped for oh, yeah. a lot of the scene <laughs> that she was in and she kept trying to quickly zip it up oh, I was well. very anxious for her but you couldn't see anything so it's no, fine not at all anyway um, as a, the, not a whole amount of news this week but that was what we've been getting up to that's yeah. very related. Go and watch it if you're in the UK and that's kind what of your bad I don't, I don't think it's been particularly advertised particularly well <laughs> I can't remember how we even found out that it existed. Maybe somebody well, yeah, posted it on a Facebook The producer liked our tweet saying we were watching it, oh, which yeah. made me very glad that we didn't say We had a tweet saying, oh, this is our guilty pleasure watching it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I hope it ticks all your boxes. But it, it was, was all right. It was fine. It was all right. It was, it was a holiday program, it needed. It? it needed a few more... Like for To be three hours long, it needed a, a few more stories and less repeating what we've literally just seen happen. Mm. I really, I, I really would love 
And it's a shame they can't really... I don't know how where this would fit in now. We've missed... We've gone past the 60th. But I'd love, like, a Scandals of Coronation Street. I don't think ITV would ever do this. Well, I think that they... One of the episodes of the Corrie years that was on a few years ago was Scandals. No, but yeah, but it, I it's mean... It's like Scandals that aren't going to make us look too bad because we're the ones making it sort of thing. You know, it was yeah, like... Yeah, like, oh, everyone like was Susie shocked Bertel's when suicide so and so, or whatever. Yeah. I, want, I want, like, you know, proper... Let's talk about what, you know... I, I really want... I would love an episode about Pat Phoenix's life. I want somebody to write, to make a documentary about it. Because she was so fascinating and interesting. Well, they made that um that drama based partly on it, didn't they? With Denise Black playing Pat Phoenix. When was that? In the early 90s or something. Well, I, I haven't seen it. I, I think it's time for another ex-Coronation Street actor to bring out a tell-all autobiography. Because yes, there's not been any of these since we've been doing there the podcast, have we? Which is obviously contracts. nine years now. But some of them do it, like Lynn Perry did, didn't she? And, um, and, and, and a few off. others. So um, maybe, you know, Bev Callard, I bet she's got a few stories. Beverly Callard would definitely do it, wouldn't she? (laughs) Yeah. And that's when you know she's not coming back. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you can tell that she's still got a foot in the door. Like, I'm not going to let you get close this door on me. I'm coming back one day. I'd love it. I'd love it. Because there feels Ooh. like there's lots of behind-the-scenes stories from, like, up to the 80s. And yeah, then it gets and hush, then it's hush, like, hush after that. Don't tell everybody. <laughs> right. This news section has been going on far too long, considering there hasn't been news. any news this week. We do make our own news, but we don't make our own feedback. That's over to the <laughs> viewers, the listeners, sorry. So let's see what they've got to say about this week's Coronation Street. Right, feedback time then, and we will start off with the Facebook group scores for last week's Coronation Street. They skewed higher than me. I was a bit down last week on the fire and everything, wasn't I? When have you down. been up? Well, where have I been up exactly? I was up for Seb's murder, and that was about it. But they gave it 4.08 Sorry, out of 5. So they, they thought it was pretty good. There was an awful lot of fours and four and a halfs on the Facebook group this week, including Lisa's, who gave it four and a half of Izzy's inadequate undies. <laughs> I don't know what half an adequate undie is. Mm. Is that what makes it inadequate? I'd or is it just that it's a crotchless panty? I don't know. Literally couldn't tell you. Um, Judith gave it four sticky mints out of the uh, pocket of the lad next door out of five. And um, my Very pick nice. of the week, because it has a bit of a pun in, was from Heather, who gave it four candles in the wind. Oh, oh out man. of five. That's a good one. <laughs> Speaking of which... Oh. <laughs> One of the best oh, bits about God. this Windsor show that we went to see the other day was the song about Diana... It was Camilla who was oh, like yeah. the the evil queen, yeah. basically. That this She's was a, villain, it was a yeah. total panto show. It was, wasn't it was it? a panto. Honestly, I've heard, I've seen really bad reviews of it, and it's because people go in. I don't know what they're expecting if they've not seen the show. Like the actual TV show, it was very similar to, but it was more panto even that. So Camilla, at one stage, about three quarters of the way through, sings this song, and it's just her on stage about how much she hates Princess Diana and how she wants to take over the world just to get back at Diana. Doesn't yeah. she? And it's so unpc, but it's very hilarious um, and that is my link to candles in the wind oh. oh right ben sent us an email this week and says that he's really enjoying classic cory at the moment in particular he says 97 to 98 the pure humor natural acting ability and lack of sensationalism make for great viewing interesting that you pick out 97 to 98 as being lack of sensationalism because that was a pure brian park era wasn't it where you had your um you know everything with don getting blown up and um, the, the kidnapping yeah, but, of Alma and... But you're comparing it to... Kelt and Nirab. Pre- previous Corrie to 97. And Ben's probably comparing it to 
post 97. Yeah, it, 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 I think it has got a bit more sensationalistic than saying <laughs> that's true. But that, that, was, that was the kick up the bum that, Corey, that got Corrie into the modern era, I would say. Anyway, I digress. Ben says, although this week's modern Corrie was fantastic, it seems in general that the producers and storyliners are focused on the next big sensational headline-grabbing story, whereas the current ITV3 run, and of course the 60s to the 90s in general, is wonderful and just natural. The Battersby's clan I find excellent, and although some of the storylines are over the top, at its core, the 70s 80s and 90s are pure Corrie. Yeah, definitely, I definitely agree with this. And I always used to, when people used to say this, and I, know. Him, I used to be like, oh, oh, it used to be better in the old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I watched it, I was like, it used to be better in the old days. I, it just depends because <laughs> pe- one of the times when we were really, really fighting against that view was during the Pat Phelan yeah. story. And everyone's like saying, oh, it's too dark. We hate it. It's so t- uh, sensationalist. But because we were so into that, we were yeah. like de- de- defending it to the hilt and saying, no, old Corrie is... It was, we didn't. I never. We, said we never anything. said it was rubbish. We just no. we didn't know, and and it was different. I'm back not going to say that I enjoyed the Pat Phelan saga less. No, I think that I really really enjoyed the Pat Phelan saga, but I can definitely say I also enjoyed the more sedate and laid back sort of kitchen sink drama which I know I know that William Roach hates that phrase mm-hmm. of the of the 60s yeah I'm glad that we got to see it and it, it did make me see why people why some people say that that's their favourite era of the show um, Ben continues the Rovers was once a bustling hub of locals factory staff and working class folk obviously Covid restricted recent scenes but most we ever see in the Rovers at the moment any time nowadays is two or three Contactless payment is the most exciting event in Roy's roles nowadays. In ITV3's classic Corrie, we cut between different workers and customers who all have stories to tell. I feel, as much as I adore the current era, that Corrie needs to rediscover the elements that made it so popular in the first place. Humour, warmth, comfort, originality, and most importantly, its appeal to the working class. I understand that you have changed. You have to keep the show dramatic to retain viewership and that viewing habits have changed, but if you look deep enough, you'll see that what I have just described is what made Corrie a success originally what do you think Michael and Gemma I agree I totally agree I honestly do think that um sometimes Corrie is so focused on plot development and moving things to from one part of the story to another that they forget to really focus on the characters and and um it is all about who can get on the front of the soap magazines it feels like that that's quite a big driver and who can pick up and the it's awards weird because it's it makes no more sense to do that than it does to sort of pander to social media because these these are all it's easy to look at these and think that they're all the same people but they I don't think they are I don't think that Twitter is and Facebook are a, a sort of a a great representation of what people want and I also don't think that soap magazines represent everybody as a whole and I I don't think it's a good idea to worry about that demographic but on the other hand um you can use those as a litmus test to say oh who's more popular and it's an easy sort of cheap way out of of figuring it out and if that's what the bosses at ITV are doing then it wouldn't be wrong to focus on getting yourself on the front of the front of those. Yeah, or getting the headlines and getting, getting the, the clicks hashtags. and getting the adverts as well. That's really really important. But I don't know and how much of those link are linked. I don't. I, I think I don't know. It feels like that honestly, sometimes you have to have a big me, sensational story to get that. I know, but let, let's let's be honest here. I 
think when you go on Twitter and you look at who is talking about Coronation Street and who's got the big opinions and who's who's got the hashtags and the retweets or whatever, there are a core of a few hundred people and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Every so often you'll get somebody that doesn't always talk about Corrie talking about Corrie. But the most most of the people are the same same hardcore group of people. Mm. From what we see anyway. Uh, well, I look at in, the hashtags. In our spheres, yeah. Um, I'm going to say that. I yeah, don't no, think no, that's wrong. I don't think you're wrong. Um, is it, I mean, what Ben was saying about getting the humour and the warmth and everything back from the olden days, it's, it's really tricky because I think if you were to ask that demographic, a lot of them would say, oh, yeah, go back to that. But then in some ways, when Ian McLeod became the producer, that's what he said. He was like, oh, I want to go back to a, you know, the classic Corey humour and the warmth of the old days and the community feel and everything. And it, it didn't necessarily feel that that, that happened or sometimes when they try and put the humour in, it feels a little bit too artificial. And, and by humour, we mean let's have Mary tell another funny story or let's have Gail being a buffoon. And that's not what the humour was about. It was about the, the natural comedic abilities of the actors in some ways and, and the delivery. And I, I don't know, and because I think in the olden days, they weren't necessarily... It wasn't like a mission statement of let's be hilarious it meant that they were freer to naturally be funny. I don't know. We, we've, we've been round in circles lots about things that we would want to change, like reducing the cast. And It's also a question of who was employed at Coronation Street at the beginning of the show. It's very conception. Who were the people that were producing and acting in the show? And they were, a lot of them were entertainers yeah. who were all-rounders, who had, you know, just come out of entertaining the troops in World War Two and things yeah. like that and were, you know, all singing, all dancing, slapstick, could do everything. Yeah. And they were they were proper entertainers. And you can also see that kind of heritage in, in some of the people who who've come through, like who played uh, um Archie Shuttleworth. Yeah, Roy Hudd. He was, you know, probably one of the last generation of that kind of mm. Um, we don't. Maureen really Littman is kind of yeah, yeah up there, isn't but she? But we don't. We don't have that. Like, people, actors. I don't know. It's a different form of entertainment now. People perform in plays and they do dramas and stuff. It's a different talent base, I think. And I'm not saying that they're better or worse. I think that the, I've always said the actors are fantastic in the, in this. But it's not just. It's not just what they're up against on the rate on the schedules but it's also what their background is and i don't think theater is as strong as it was because there's more and more different ways of entertaining yourself and i don't think there's many healthy local theater um culture as they used to be you know people used to go dancing and they used to go to see shows and vaudeville acts and all that kind of stuff and music calls and performances and now it's you know stand-up comedians and bands and mm. it's a different What do you think pool. about what uh, Ben said about appealing to the working class? I, I don't want to, you know, um, generalise, but what... That is but anymore. And I don't feels think Coronation like, Street does either. No, it feels... Like, if you think about, oh, what's lowest common denominator TV, you do think of, you know, the reality TV shows and the Love Islands and, the, and that kind of stuff. But what's working so, class mean now? Don't think it means anything. No, I know, I th- and I, I, I don't think that, I, it doesn't feel like that, yeah, that exists, and if they did, would they want to watch Corrie, or would they just prefer to be 
Yeah, doing their Netflix streaming or... I think I think British people are obsessed with class, that's obvious. But I don't think we fit as neatly into these bands as we used to. And it causes a lot of anxiety and confusion. Because I think that a lot of people are actually middle class. And especially people like me who come from very middle class, um, working class backgrounds. You know, my granddad was a miner. My dad was a shipbuilder. Um, all, you know, my, my grandparents were literally housekeepers and servants in in homes and groundskeepers and stuff me i am obviously middle class aren't i but i don't i don't sometimes i feel guilty for calling myself that and sometimes i i feel like it's you know i I identify with working class but i'm not at all i i wouldn't I, i wouldn't want to call myself that because i don't struggle and i'm pretty well off yeah and and what what does that mean anymore? It used to mean something very definite that you could look around and say, yeah, this is where I fit in. And Coronation Street tries to pretend that it's about working class people, but it's not. It's about business owners and people that, you know, don't struggle day to day and... and you know, there's no there's no food poverty on Coronation Street. Nobody goes to food banks. Nobody's struggling with, you know, um, with childcare credits and, and you know, what, what are we going to have for dinner? And you got the the closest you've got to like that, I suppose, is like Gemma and Chesney, and and that's not necessarily a very. It's not a good example because no. it feels very self inflicted. Because they had an opportunity to become rich beyond their wildest dreams, and they said no. Well, we they're want also to be authentically not very poor. It's difficult to root for them sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Where where you had characters like the Ogdens who really really did struggle, and you were rooting for them. Yeah. That, that's maybe. The sort of the sort of family, the sort of people that are. I really wish I could investigate and look in more in more into what is, what makes somebody a working class person now in in England in modern day, Britain, mm. and what makes somebody middle class? Because I would say that the vast majority of people really are middle class now, but I know everybody struggles, and I don't want to diminish anyone's experiences, but because because. Being middle, being called middle class can also be insulting to some people. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I just We're think very strange it, in this country. What do, what does exist to the working class? I don't necessarily think that they're Coronation Street viewers. I I don't I know, but you're t- you're talking about a cultural thing, and I'm talking about an economic thing, and again, that's a different thing. Mm. That's a different. Those are two different people. You know, got. <laughs> tradesmen for example now you would call back in the day a tradesman like a plumber or electrician or something would have been a working class profession but now they're you know they earn tons of yeah, money they've got their own business i think it would be pretentious and stupid to uh, say that they were working class mm. yeah anyway i don't know don't what's know going on help maybe let's see what we can do with help this next me. one Gemma, would you like to read chris's email yeah Chris says, I'm a week behind on Corrie, so I'm unaware of any developments which might have happened since your last podcast, but I just wanted to chip in with a few comments about the recent goings on. Go I was it. really surprised by your reaction to the Izzy storyline, <laughs> and in particular to Carla and Sarah's conduct. I thought Izzy's explanation of what she'd been going through was superbly articulated, and having heard the interview with Shirley, it clearly mirrored the unbelievably stressful and frightening times that she herself was had experience however i was gearing myself up for a textbook conversation street rant he's saying we're predictable about how izzy could have had all the assistance she needed and had she only asked for it i heard and took on board everything izzy said about not wanting to ask for help be a 
be it as a matter of pride or an admission of vulnerability, or simply so as not to want to appear to be a charity case, these people are her friends as well as her employers. I was fully expecting you to go off on one, as I did at the telly, when she was abusing Carla and Sarah for what she saw as their condescending actions, but what was happening was clearly them and the rest of the workforce making sacrifices and going out of their way to keep the job going for a valued employee in a time of need. If you want Carla to return to being the hard-nosed, tough cookie businesswoman, then she should have just sacked her, but that's a discussion for another day. With the information they had at hand, they made a very kind, carefully considered and considerate call on how best to look after a staff member going through a very tough time. I'm hoping that Izzy does at some point see that the factory staff did not deserve the tirade of abuse and her childish, I'm not talking to you, strops. I'm not expecting one, but she owes them an apology. I'll just again, I'm not trivialising her circumstances and just what a dire situation she's in. But if she refused to allow Underworld to see the whole picture and so to come up with a pragmatic strategy to help her cope, then the only option they had were to fire her for being unable to complete the role she's being paid for or to very kindly find a way to continue to keep her on the payroll without forcing her to ask for help if she didn't want to. They're very obviously echoes of Sean being homeless storyline here, and that was another situation which could, could have been helped more satisfactorily for everyone if there was only been a bit of communication. Sorry, that took a bit <laughs> longer to get across than I thought it would. By the way, did you hear Amy calling Summer Spelzy in last week's shows? Did I imagine <laughs> that? Incidentally, I'm now absolutely buying new Todd as Todd and new Summer as summer. I think I heard the spellsy line and then forgot about it. I love that. I, I thought it was good. Right. I do I remember right. um, both of us going <laughs> to each other. So what, what do you reckon about this Izzy thing then? I think I think for me, the fact that knowing and, and seeing Sherrilee talking on this morning certainly helped me to be a lot more sympathetic towards her than I normally would have done. And obviously speaking to, to Sherrilee myself this week has only cemented that. And I think that's why I let her... Um, let her off a little bit more from the way that she treated Carla and Sarah because she was being incredibly childish at times mm-hmm. and put, you know, slamming the, the laptop down and everything. I honestly thought we'd... I don't... We, I know we didn't say it last week, but I honestly have the impression that I had addressed this before where I, I, I'm sure I said that I think... I did. I said, you, you have to advocate for yourself and it's unfortunate not everybody can do this, but Izzy certainly is capable... Um, of being her own advocate and standing up for herself and making it clear what her needs are. And it's unfortunate and unfair, very unfair, that if you are disabled and you have to have um, accommodations made for you, that you have to communicate these. Because it can feel awkward and embarrassing and um, like you're being a burden. But unfortunately that's the reality of the situation if you if you don't stand up for yourself and say and articulate clearly what you need you're not going to get it and you can't expect people to anticipate your needs and I, I'm sure I said this a few weeks ago because this story's yeah, stretched for a long time so I didn't I didn't bring it up again because I didn't really want to talk about about that again but I agree with what you're saying Chris I definitely think that <laughs> she was being a bit childish and silly and I certainly wouldn't have appreciated it. But again, also, their solution was rubbish. That was, that's the because main she was in, point. Because she was in physical pain. And if they said to her, Izzy, we don't need you to make knickers now. We can, we can handle it ourselves. Even though actually at another point they said they couldn't. And then somehow they managed to find a way around <laughs> it. Couldn't they have said to her, look, take a sabbatical. Or take your leave. Or we'll pay you for, for doing nothing. Or, which they basically were. They ba- they basically tortured this poor woman with physical pain t- 
to do something that they didn't need. Why? Why couldn't they have said, how about you make this order, which is not due for another month? Mm. Why don't you just make some plain knickers? Why don't you make some... How about you make something that we can give away as Christmas gifts? You know whether, what I mean? I wonder whether Izzy could have done anything like secretarial this. or... Yes, do some kind of Do admin. the website or something. Do the social media. Yeah. Set up an Instagram account. Yeah. There's so many things they could have done. It was really ridiculous. But I'm still, I'm still pretty much enjoying the story. It's a shame that it's another I think stop I, and starty story. I can't remember if I said this to you or if I said this in, on the show, but it does feel like the actual the theme and the moral of the story is all very well realised and articulated, but the actual plot points was, were ridiculous and made almost everybody involved in it look stupid and childish. Mm. Mm. At some point. Yeah. I oh, think well. they could have done the story. I think they yet. could have done a COVID story about disabled people in a way that didn't come across as such a juvenile bunch of idiots. But... Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you put Sarah in charge of the factory. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right, George has written this in to Thank say... Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Um, it's fair to say the storylines right now are basically a bunch of silly symphonies. And where do we begin with our... But with our fire starter, Hope. Now, am I surprised she started another fire? No, but she does this time have a defence case in that Mummy and Daddy split up, with Daddy shacking up and knocking up someone half his age. And if the baby had the misfortune to be born, he'd have had Daddy's focus over her. As we know, children don't like to be left out. Oh, Shona, what was she thinking? Just because someone has an argument with you that doesn't give you the right to knock them down and commit attempted murder. It was an accident. It was an accident. (laughs) It was not attempted murder. Um, I'll finish with some very simple advice for Nick and Leanne, and that is if they are bored, then they should both get a job and try not to force characters off the street. Oh. I think that he's talking about um, trying to get rid of Debbie. Um, It doesn't feel like they're getting rid of Debbie, and I really, really hope it doesn't because I don't know where I don't know where Debbie's role would be on the street if she wasn't at the bistro. Whereas Nick and Leanne could slot into other businesses, and they have done throughout the years. I'm not sure, but I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe with the fact that we haven't really seen much of Debbie means that she could potentially slot in anywhere. I don't know, but yeah, that's um. Well, we, we talked about that on the street, talked about how it's it's intriguing how that could work. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't this, this email doesn't seem to, um, it, it feels like it covers much of the same ground that we, we talked about in street talk. Um, so I don't know, any, any, anything you want, any response no. to that? I did, no yeah, response, just, uh, from, thank you very much, George, for emailing really in. funny when, when people write in and they're really mad about how bad Coronation Street is. And then I look back on my on what I said during Street Talk and I'm like, oh, did I... Was I was I harsh enough on things that weren't good for people <laughs> that didn't like it? But also, was I positive about things that I liked enough for people that enjoyed the week? Difficult balance think sometimes. Some, it, one of the most glorious feelings in the world is to hate something and think it's stupid and ridiculous and then to go and validate your opinion by rant. hearing somebody saying the same things as you. But equally, it can be very discouraging and dispiriting when you enjoyed something and you listened to somebody crapping all over it for I two know, hours. I know. Because, <laughs> for example, on our Facebook group at the moment, I know that Chad seems to be very, very po- positive about what's going on on Coronation Street at the moment. Now, he's not written in, as far as I remember into the the feedback section for a while but I wouldn't mind if he did but he's really really enjoying how it's going at the moment and I feel bad for sometimes when people like him have to listen to us having a bit too much of a rant sometimes but like I said I hope we try and get the balance and even even the bits that we're not enjoying 
hopefully we say it in an entertaining and light-hearted way. Yeah, hopefully. Right, Rebecca next. says, First of all, I found miscarriage heartbreaking and I had no clue it was going to happen until I spoiled myself looking on Twitter. Alexander is doing a fantastic job showing her grief and now her anger. I don't blame her blaming Fizz. As if I was in Alina's shoes, I would be blaming Fizz too. I do think that Fizz will take the blame for Hope, but in the end, evidence will come forward to show it was an accident. Fizz will be cleared and Fizz and Tyrone will get back together again. All the above will happen, but Hope will be sent to a psychiatric home and will return in a few years, cured. Or, or is she? <laughs> and also maybe played by a new actress. I don't think that there's any danger in Hope being recast at the moment because she's only been played by um, Isabella Flanagan for, what, three years now, maybe? It feels like she's going to see her through her teenage years, at least. And, and, and with the Flanagan family being a family of actors, because obviously we've got um, the boy that plays uh, Joseph being related to her and she's got another sister in Emmerdale, I think. I reckon we're going to keep with her for a while, but is she going to go off for a few years? I don't know. It might be nice for Ruby to get a bit of time in the spotlight. Mm. I did love the Fizz and Tyrone scene, though. Both are in a difficult position, but it does make me think that if Hope was Tyrone's biological child, would he be more sympathetic? I agree about George and Eileen. Stop with the messing around and put them together. Or if not, just leave them. George would be perfect for Eileen, but the messing around is just driving me mad. Mm -hmm. I do like the partnership of George and Todd. Ardie and Summer are the cutest when Ardie gave her that diabetic-friendly cookie and uh, and the robot. Yeah, what happened with that this week? That was a shame we didn't get to see any more of that. He's, he's, um, he's run off scared again, hasn't he? Yeah. That's got real potential. The thing is, the thing is about it is that, you know, it would be nice if these were just in the background of, of scenes and we, we had a bit where, you know, they're just in the background watching something else, holding hands, or he just gives her a nod somewhere. But the reality of the situation is that would mean getting the actor to come yeah. in for perhaps, you know, a morning to be in one second of the show. Mm. It's the same with, uh, with Amy as well. I hope that comes back soon because I'm quite quite interested in that. I do, however, think now Amy and Ardy might develop something and I wouldn't mind that, but I also think before Christmas, Ardy and Summer will be together maybe in a cute Christmas story. Dev, Steve and Tracy were great this week. Dev with the bachelor box, although I have to agree. One rule for Asher and one for Ardy. I also agree. Where is Asher? I really hope Tanisha is back on the screen soon. I also loved Izzy this week, and I agree with Gemma. Shielding people throughout the pandemic has been treated so bad. I really sympathise with Izzy. I also like seeing Fergus again. I hope he can still stay in the show while still having a minor part. Finally, it's a nice thought of Nina's for the community veg plot, but I think Seb would have preferred something else. It's probably a nudge to the audience to make them remember about the hate crime story. Character of the week is Alina, but props to Ardy, Dev, Amy, and I'll give it four diabetic-friendly peanut butter cookies mm-hmm. out of five. Yeah, I wonder whether Fergus is going to stay in this, because obviously they've got Toby playing Fergus at the moment because he's Sherry Lee's partner, but, and, and it's still not completely clear about whether Fergus is more than just a helpful neighbour if and when um, Izzy can, you know, go back to the street and everything. Are they going to keep him on the show and have him as a new boyfriend, maybe? Because I, I still say that at some point Gary's going to have to be off the scene. I mean, Gary's, I mean, he's married to Maria now anyway. It's not like Izzy's got any real ties over him. But um, I think that could be quite cool, having those two as a, a real-life couple, um, developing some sort of... Character romance, maybe. What, Fergus and Fergus Izzy. and Izzy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. 
Well, I can't see Fergus getting with anybody else. No, I don't think so. So maybe. Um, what was the other thing that we were, that was in there? Um, Lots of things. Oh yeah, the fact that um, Rebecca was talking about where's Asher, and we did get to see her this week. Yet there wasn't any mention of what Ardy's going through. Like with with the whole last week when Asher wasn't there, but. Dev was getting his bachelor box for Ardy and everything and treating him differently to how he treated Asher. I was expecting that when we saw Asher, she'd maybe have something to say about that, but that wasn't the thrust I, of the story I this totally week. I totally understand people's reactions to boys and girls. It's not fair. I agree. It it feels it feels outrageous that um boys are not you know, boys get, oh, yeah, he's he's grown into a man, he's a lad, give him a packet of condoms. Put him out to stud. And the, and the girls are like, no, no, you must put a chastity belt on her, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, realistically, the boys are not going to come home pregnant. <laughs> I just, it just seemed like a bit of a waste that we had, we didn't really get any of Asher and Ardy this week. There was that one scene which was a bit like pointless when um when he when he came back and she stomped off it again it's a bit weird that they they, they, they work really really well together, together and it doesn't feel like they are at the moment yeah especially now that they're older and everything and they could up. use them more <laughs> they really need to anyway finally we've got uh, our, our email from nancy who says that it was sad the way alina lost her baby after the fire how come tyrone didn't tell um alina about hope's history of setting fires <laughs> You would have thought that it would have come up up? just as a bit of an anecdote. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) Yeah, do you smoke after sex? Speaking of smoke, (laughs) let me tell you about hope. There's no such thing as it without fire. (laughs) Um, I do feel Alina will feel differently about things when she finds out that it was hope that set the fire. It was hard for me to see Fizz leaving with hope. This is a tragedy for all the characters. Ardy and Dev were hilarious. Ardy would be great with either Amy or Summer. Um, I feel that the Izzy storyline was well laid out. It was moving and will help raise awareness of the struggles people with disabilities face during the lockdown. Yeah. It really is up to Carla and Sarah to help Izzy be more productive, which will benefit Underworld. Um, finally, if James appeals, how will he prove his claim? Oh, yeah. oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, and Again, another story which seems like so important one week. Yeah. And it's like, drop that now. Um, and Nancy likes the memorial garden idea for Seb. Um, she gave last week's episodes four out of five breath sprays, and her character of the week was Alina. Like you, you had Alina as your character of the week last week, didn't you? Who can say? I think you did. I think that's it. Right, that is it for this week's street talk. Um, again, apologies for the lateness. I blame our London holiday for that. Also, we had, we did have some friends over for dinner yeah, too last much fun. night, didn't we? We did, and we played a fun game. Michael didn't play. I was doing the washing up while, no, while they were playing weren't. the game. Were... I was doing washing up to avoid playing the game. Yes, because I don't like that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we, that, that's why we couldn't watch Coronation Street until very, very late yesterday evening. And then we went to bed at about one o'clock and we just had our day of sleeping. I'm but I feel so quite awake tired, and refreshed now. I'm all right now. This, this doing the podcast has woken me up and it's, uh, it's quarter past eight now. So I'm ready to start the day properly. Although I've now got to get the podcast uploaded get the and everything. Get the podcast so uploaded. I've got to cook dinner and then yeah, tomorrow morning I have to get oh, up early God, to and go to the allotment, allotment because it's a disaster zone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, and then back to 
back to back work. Back to work next week. Right. Um, thank you very much to our latest Patreon, which is Patrick. Thank you very much thank for you. signing up um, to the, I think he's signed up to the Bistro tier, if oh. I'm not wrong. Um, we do need to, we need to get our um, August Patreon oh. episode out at some point, don't we? We're halfway Top through the month. Five Don't know what we're going to do. Don't know what we're going to do. On Coronation Street. Um, do you remember there was that stage about four, three or four years ago with the allotment with like a regular, regular yeah. setting Yeah, we all actually, the action happened? We literally went to where they film it. Yeah, yeah, over in Sale. But um, I haven't seen hide nor hair of it, obviously, because of the pandemic. But it felt like it was a real hub for a little while. Gardening and allotments have increased in interest across the nation since lockdown. So they should really have had more pandemic well, allotment stores. since then they don't need to go back there do they because they've now got the community garden and seb's memorial garden you can't grow board beans in a pot <laughs> yet again they they've got you can, more excuses you get, for not getting out of the uh, of the set of media you get City. like five pods off there you'd have enough for like a tablespoon of broad beans <laughs> and what are you going to do with that Gemma knows these things right Gemma, can you tell please people how they can contact us if they want to in the next week. Email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. Don't forget to get those competition entries in. You have got What's less than a week now. What is the name of the now. cat? What is the name of our cat? She has come to visit us a couple of times during the recording today. I don't know whether you heard her loud pouring. <laughs> purring, purring, sorry. <laughs> um, yes. Um, iTunes review. I haven't had one of them for a while. We haven't, have we? I don't mind. It's fine. Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Patreon. You can find us almost everywhere. No, we're not on TikTok. Does does anyone use Snapchat anymore? Because we're not on there either. Mm. Just search for Conversation Street and you'll find us in all of our glory. Yeah. On various outlets and different formats. Yeah, I'm done for the week. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We do love it. You've, you've, you've sat and listened to this for, you know... Five hours. Three, three hours now, at least. So um, if you've made it through you, to the end, we you do guys appreciate. Get us out of bed. Yeah, give us something to do. Make us feel worthwhile. In my book. And also, my... thank you very much to Shirley Houston for giving up some time this week to have a lovely chat. It was thank you. very, very nice. Love you. Yeah, she was great. Um, okay, we'll be back um, next week. I imagine that we'll try and time the ninth anniversary episode of Conversation Street with the ninth anniversary, so maybe look out for it dropping on Thursday. But like we said at the beginning of the episode, don't get your hopes up for anything amazingly special. Also, I don't it's think anyone is, is invested in it being nine years since we started the podcast as we are. Are we going to do a special? Are we going to do anything special? Are we going to crack open oh, some me and you In champagne. real world? I don't know. Maybe... Eat some steak, make a hot pot. Nine just feels like it's not quite ten. I know, nine just feels like you're nearly there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe this time next year we'll do something special, but, you know, if anyone wants to email in or tweet in their congratulations, then then we're not going to stop you. We will accept gifts and tweets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right, see you, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, what's left of it. See you next week. Ta-ra for now. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. (laughs) 